dialed in to Fox and Brews, you might hear something you can use. Like tips on your cash or tips on the suds. You're going to want to use the smarts of these stuff. Because they know the brews. And they know the box. And they know they can't help the stubborn fucks. So listen up, because shit's not funny. And save yourself some beer money. Bucks. And brews. Bucks and brews. And brews. Bucks and brews. So, welcome back to Bucks and Brews. Um, Nick, we had our most popular episode from last week with uh, Jack Razor. Yeah. That's, uh, so, that was a good episode. That was a good episode. And uh, some of his fans outed the band quite a bit on <laughs> social media. Very quickly, too. Absolutely. Yeah, say, I'm excited to have him back on. And talk, I am, too. Talk about actually how to grow a business and hopefully build a self-confidence so he understands that. Like, not normal people get to sell that many shirts just randomly, yeah. right? So, let's start with what we're drinking. Okay. We're sponsored. We are sponsored. I do love a good sponsor. By one of our guests? By one of our guests, the Millennial Money Witch, Jesse DeSalva. We have Narcosis. I can't read with my glasses this closely. Yeah, you read. Narcosis. uh, Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Stout. So, actually fantastic. Very bourbon-y. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I know it, it. It'll put some hair on your chest. Uh, yeah. You know, I would going to tell you a story about that after I talk about the other one that you sponsored us with, uh, Calypso. It's a bourbon barrel aged Cuban coffee imperial stout, brewed with coffee and milk sugar. That sounds delicious too. It is. So, right, we talk about putting hair in your chest, yeah. right? And that's all I heard growing up. Oh, you want hair in your knuckles, hair in your chest, hair on your back. You know, you're gonna be be a man. Now I heard that too. Now I take my shirt off. Oh my gosh, look how hairy your back is. And yeah. it's like it, like everybody's like waxing and like shaving their stuff. And it's like hairless is the way to go. And I'm like, yeah. the one thing yeah. I had going for me is because I became the biggest man of most men, right? Like you had all that hair on your chest that left your head. <laughs> That's a factual statement. I thought it was the stuff here that left his head. Uh, well, that left his head this too. Kind of trickled down. So um, Dawn, what are you drinking? Mountain Dew. Dawn's in the hard tonight. <laughs> Don, for those that don't know, owns break room therapy and is my wife. So, you know, she Round has two, the, fight. <laughs> yeah, she has the unfortunate pleasure of having to deal with me, especially when I drink. Um, Mike, what do you got? A couple things I'm gonna drink. First thing I popped into was a transient artisan ales. Um, what is it called? Just a slice, a sour wheat ale with cranberry, plum, blood orange, cherry, vanilla, cinnamon, and milk sugar. And then I'm going to go into a pontoon brewing untitled art, sweet and sour Georgia peach. Nice. I think the first one, they should rename it to Dr. Pepper. That thing had 23 full flavors mixed into it. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Nicole, what do you have? Nicole from Buddy's Pages. Got water. Hey, water's fine. Over here. Yeah. And Jesse, what do you have tonight? Oh, I have red wine because I had a beer order from Shipped and it didn't happen. It got canceled. Oh. And I'm like very upset about it because I had a coconut coffee and what was it? Coconut coffee and chocolate mm. stout in there that I was super excited about from Funky Buddha. Oh, yeah, um, oh, so I'm like very sad about it. So bad. you should be. That's a great beer. So we lost her sound. Oh, she just froze for a second. Oh, she was talking. Nope. We lost her sound completely. Yeah, we cannot hear you. Try again. 
Oh. There you are. Okay. It, it is a Monday for both of us, huh? I, I think it's a Monday <laughs> for all of us. It, it really is, yeah. So it better be Tuesday. I don't want to be with this. I'm kidding, right? <laughs> so I assume you got the beer that we sent you. I did it. Yeah, I did get it. Oh, my God. First of all, um, it arrived when I was in D.C. traveling and like I was visiting my sister for the holidays. And so I told my fiance, I was like, you better not like you better not crack into that while I'm gone because he cannot be trusted. Um, So he was like and then when we came back and we finally had it, he had hidden them all in the back of the fridge. He was like, I literally put them out of my visual sight, so I would not be tempted. So they were all great. I really loved them. Fantastic. Does he? Uh, does he like tacos? <laughs> Ask him again. Nick. Does he like tacos? Do I like tacos? Does Does your fiance? Oh yeah, I mean, like, who doesn't like tacos? Oh, apparently my <laughs> wife. It right seems now. Nick's wife does not like tacos. This, this is... was a heavy discussion mm. before <laughs> you hopped on. No, she doesn't like. Okay, she doesn't like white, white American tacos. tacos. Right. Oh, it's, it's like the, real the worst tacos. Might, the worst might happen twice on this episode, just to let you guys know. My <laughs> wife doesn't know. It's great. Oh, she knows now. My wife's sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, not, not yet. <laughs> so, uh, really excited to yeah. have all of our guests on, um, you know, today's episode. How to, uh, how to leave a corporate job and start your own adventure, right? Yeah, um, so... Case in point, all three guests left real jobs to go do their own thing. So Don worked many auditing jobs over the years, uh, decided this shit sucks, and went and opened a rage room. Nicole, I don't know what you did besides the Air Force. What did you do besides the Air Force? Yeah, I worked in banking. I was a personal banker. I did basically everything in banking. There you go. And now she's opened a very accepting bookshop in Lowell, Michigan, who is not very accepting. <laughs> I'm incredibly accepting. They just don't like me very much. You are. Lowell's not. Yes. A portion of them. And and then of course, Jesse was a lawyer and now is, is uh, a, a life coach. And you have some really great news that I saw today. Why don't you throw that I out I do indeed. Yeah. So I'm going to be getting a finalizing a book deal this week. So... Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. We know a bookstore yeah. owner. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm really I'm really jazzed about it. I have a few publishers interested, but I know who is in my heart and well, that'll be finalized this week. So I'll have more details on everything, but it's looking like it'll be in print September 2023. So nice. it's going to be so exciting. That's a long process. Holy cow. It's not quick. Yeah. To write a book. Well, well there's also written. supply chain issues. So yeah. that's a big part of it is like the production has been a lot of the stuff's been pushed back. So they said in the past, they've been able to do things like within the year, but yeah. it's just all of the shipping stuff and all of the supply has been like really slowed down, but that's okay. Everything happens with divine timing. Say, I'm hoping. I don't know what today's timing was, but <laughs> it's not a well-timed. So I kind of want to ask everybody, you know, why they, they left corporate life. Uh, let's start with Nicole. So you were a personal banker and decided, fuck this shit. Yeah, basically. Um, so I had a job that I loved. I loved it. I loved my team. I loved the institution that I worked for. I loved what I got to do. And then I got fired. 
and it was bullshit. Um, basically I got fired for speaking truth to a man and not being a man myself. And so then I got a new job and technically like on every level, I got paid more. I had a better title. Everything was better, but I hated it. I hated my life. Uh, I went from doing all of the things to, I just inputted into a computer and somebody in a different part of the state made all the decisions. And that was not at all conducive for my style. Um, and so I was immediately unhappy and started looking, you know, what do I want to do? And basically as like a kind of a joke, I wrote a business plan of what kind of store I would love to see and would love to open. Um, and I showed it to my friends and I showed it to my husband and they were supposed to tell me like, that's cute, but how about you go get like a, a job at a different financial institution and make lots of money and do all of those things. And instead they were like, yeah, no, you should do that. You should definitely do that. And so I did. There you go. Mm-hmm. So Don worked many jobs, um, especially in auditing. And then the last auditing job was in Holland. It was a, a shitty company. And literally she called me on the way home and goes, fuck this shit. I'm not going back. Yeah, but that wasn't the last job job. No, that I was did- the last auditing job right and then you decided to do what well i did vw for a while no this was after vw you did vw then you did that place in holland Mm-mm. yes you i did. went no no you did <laughs> start fighting i did i know my brain doesn't work <laughs> i went from that until shipped and then from shipped i went back now i have the business you went from vw to the place in holland for like a month and then to shift. Okay, anyhow. <laughs> so, while, while, while hopping your jobs for the past 15 years, what happened with, what, why did you not want to do that anymore? Because ship, I mean, right, like ship gave you so much freedom. I mean, you had your time frame, right? Well, ship worked in the fact that I was able to set my own schedule and work when I wanted, but you couldn't count on it. You couldn't rely on it. And then they started to change a lot of the pay structure. And that just really started to change a lot of the things too. I mean, it was nice to work for yourself and that's probably what helped kind of train me for now becoming my own um, business owner. But uh, the longer you were not working for corporate America, the more I knew I wasn't going to go and back to that. I didn't know what I wanted to do until I came up with the business idea, but I was not going to back to work for somebody. Well, and I mean, I know the story and and Nick and probably Nicole, but why don't you how did you hop on this? Because some people don't know because they haven't listened to every episode. How did I hop on what? Your business. The business. I have an angry husband. He's the one there on the end. <laughs> no, um, I'm part of a group on Facebook called Squad Buddy. And I was looking for an outlet for my husband because he's a very angry person and just wrapped up a little bit tighter than what I start off on every day. Um, and I was looking for an outlet for him. But honestly, recently, I think I've started realizing that it's not only because of you. I think a lot of it's the growing up that I had um, in foster care and a lot of the abuse before that, that kind of gave me a different way of realizing that sometimes talking is not the only therapy. So once I learned of a rage room, I connected with it really, really well. And I decided we had to have one here. And I was going to be really mad if I didn't open it and somebody else did. Well, and, you know, full disclosure, when you and I talked about it. You thought I was stupid. I didn't think you were. (laughs) I thought it wasn't for me. Right. It was not for me. But I fully understood the idea. 
And I, I think you can agree with this. So many people have contacted you and said, hey, this is easy, right? I can spend $1,500 and I can open a rage room because there <laughs> happens to be a guide online about spending $1,500 to open a rage room. Good. Is that possible? No. <laughs> can, can you speak more to that? It takes a lot know? more to open a business than what I think people give it credit for. I mean, yeah, you can make it look successful and you can make it look really easy, but there's a lot of things in the background that really make it work. And a lot of the things that people don't see. Um, with my particular business in general, I mean, you have to consider the uh, height of your ceilings and what kind of business structure are you in? Is it industrial or is it warehouse? Is it um, commercial, you know, retail? Where are you putting that business? And then the inventory becomes a lot more of your life, life than what you expected it to be. And then wearing every single hat. I mean, even Nicole, I mean, she's amazing on TikTok, but up until then, it doesn't sound like you ever did marketing. And now here you're trying to market your business as well. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, well, full, full disclosure, Don and Nicole talk quite a bit, and they open their businesses around the same time. They're mm -hmm. both in Squad Betty. Yep. So they they bounce stuff off of, off of each other all the time. Mm -hmm. So I know Jesse left, you know, corporate law. Why would you leave such a high paying career field? Well, it technically, okay, first of all, I technically wasn't in corporate law. Like what I was in, I was working at a nonprofit, but it's like one of the, it was like a big nonprofit. Um, so I was originally, well, let's go back, back, back. Before I was at that nonprofit, I worked for Bloomberg Law. So I was reporting on criminal justice issues for a legal audience. So it was like the legal news branch of Bloomberg News. And from there, like this had been my dream job for so long. And after about like two and a half years, like two years, two and a half years, I was like, this isn't hitting the same anymore. Like, why is this not lighting me up? And, you know, like to put it simply is that it wasn't hitting the things I was best at and that I enjoyed at the same time. Like it was hitting some of them, but not all of them. And so me at the time, not really knowing what else to do, I was like, well, clearly it just means that I want to be part of the change. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get a job. Like I've got a great network. I'm going to utilize my network, land a job at a nonprofit. And that's now I'm going to like, you know, go do this job. I knew within a month that the job was not a good fit. And I ignored everything that told me that because who quits a job after a month? Like, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Plus, like, I know now I'm like amongst friends who like get it. Um, and I've since like, I, I've even had clients where like, I've had them quit on their first day. Like they came back and they were like, that was terrible. And I'm like, quit, don't go back. Who cares? And they're like, I can do that. I'm like, you can do that. Literally. Yeah. That's my, so we talked about that on the, the bonus thing. I want to yeah. work, you know, for like 90 days, get the bonus and then quit. And right? then quit, like, yeah. You know, $2,000 bonus. Yeah. So yeah $2, unless I absolutely love it, but I'm going to quit. I've had several jobs I quit on the first day because I didn't like the fucking company. <laughs> I remember Circuit City. I, I worked there for one day. This would have been like, I don't know, 97, 98. And they I said, I super think I remember that. They go, if people don't want, your help they're looking to steal shit and i go i don't want anybody's help fuck you and i walked out <laughs> yeah so like i came there to like buy cds and then like you left never came back yeah basically yes 
Yeah, I've had and I've had people quit like on the first day, like now I'm like, absolutely do it. Don't waste a don't waste a moment. But at the time, it was like, who does that? I mean, like, you know, I'm making really good money for this sector, like for nonprofit work. And I'm at this prestigious place. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like I wasn't good at the job because it didn't play on my natural natural abilities or my or my skills or my interests. So I knew it was like, I wanted to give it a chance. Like, oh, I just need to be more proactive. I just need to do this. I need to do that. And really at the end of the day, it just wasn't a good fit. And it was also hard because I loved everybody I worked with. I loved the organization. I loved my boss. Like I still like have nothing but like absolute love in my heart for everybody there. Um, but trust me, when I say I got fired, it's because I was bad at the job. Like I deserve to be fired and I would have fired me. Um, and really I look at it as having manifested that opportunity because I was just too chicken, chicken shit to do it myself. You know, I knew I had needed to go. I knew that like, really, I was just scared because I knew that the problem wasn't my, wasn't me. The problem was traditional employment that I just was not somebody who was cut out to have a boss. I wasn't somebody who was cut out to like sit in an office all day. I wasn't cut out to like do data entry or like take orders or, you know, to, to do any of that. Like it just wasn't serving me. And around that time, I had started, I had done, I had started life coaching. So I had taken on a couple pro bono clients, which I always advise now if people are interested in doing some kind of coaching or some kind of online services based business, I'm always like, try it out for free at first, because you don't want to wind up in another situation where, oh, you know what, let me go like pay for yoga teacher training and do 800 hours just to find out I hate being a yoga teacher. Like, no, you have to come up with your own version of like internships as an adult. So for me, it was like, let me take on a couple free clients and see how I enjoy this. And that like lit me up like nothing else did. And I think that, you know, had I, had I, if I were like 10 years younger today, I think that this is the path I would have pursued. Like, I don't think I would have like done the whole law school thing like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, being a life coach was like the butt of a joke, mm -hmm. right? Like that was like not a real thing. So me being like, no, I think I want to do this. I just need to find out in what way I want to coach people because I'm not certified. So I had to say, okay, well then what I, what do I have to teach people? And the thing I was able to do was get jobs without having to apply for them. Like I just had figured out being an introvert, how to come up with this a system to network with people, like get the right people into my network and just meet enough people where I would eventually get an interview. I would essentially be like pre-interviewed before any job listing was out there. And so I had basically done that like twice. And so I had been teaching my friends to do it. So I said, well, fuck it. I'll just be a job hunt coach. And that's what I'll do. I'll help people get clear on what they need in their careers, how to find that and how to network their way there. And I was doing that for the first like eight to nine months of that, of like being fired. I actually got fired a week after investing in my first business coach, which I just took as a sign. I was like, okay, that's like God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. 
just pushing me out of the nest, being like, go for it. This is, you're on the right path. Like just put, put everything into it. So after about eight to nine months, the pandemic hit, I realized, oh, nobody's going to be hiring jobs for a little while now. But thankfully, I just spent eight to nine months figuring out how to start a business and making all the mistakes that there are in doing so. So now I'm going to teach people how to start online businesses since everyone's going to be getting fired. So that's what I did. I taught people how to start online businesses. Eventually, I scaled. Now I'm like a business consultant, a money mindset coach, and that's that's what I do. Well, and I think all biz, all the business owners here, the the three of you, all experienced that because we opened our business June of nineteen. So nine ten months in, shut down, can't mm-hmm. do anything. Nicole was open before the pandemic hit. Yeah, one whole month. Yeah, and and mind you, that was right after a total flood in your first location. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and and shut down, not mm-hmm. able to do anything. So mm-hmm. we all kind of had to pivot at that point and say, okay, this is what we can do. I mean, I kept working because I work at home anyways. I mean, I've worked at home for a decade. Uh, I know Mike kept working because he could work at home. Nick got fired. Um, five, you know, three, four, five of the six of us here have been fired. Um, I, I think my favorite firing out of all of us is her by email. <laughs> fired by email after a stroke. Ugh. So I did. Yeah, that was fun. That's not, you know. And the worst part about that is that I had actually worked at that company um, during my chemo as well and probably worked a lot of shifts that I should not have worked and felt that dedication to like be there for my employer and work hours that I, you know, probably shouldn't have and put that job first and uh-huh. you got to be there for your company and bullshit, bullshit. And they'll reward and, you. And they reward you and, you know, it'll matter in the end. And then you get sick with another illness. And then while you're going through rehab and trying to figure out how to navigate again, you get an email one day that you've been fired, a fucking email. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. So, I mean, even right now, um, Michaela, we was talking to her the yeah, other day yeah. about different hours and she's feeling really bad because she has been working every weekend. And now she thinks she wants to have, she's a high schooler. Um, but works every weekend and she asked me if she could start having every other Sunday off and she started back paddling and feeling bad about it and saying, well, you know, I, I know that you need me here, but I really want some time off. I said, like, Michaela, if I teach you anything, it's, I want you to live your life. I, you should never, ever, ever, ever allow a job to make you feel like you can't have time off. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, I'm the business owner. It's my problem. If I don't have staff there, it's not your problem. If any job ever makes you feel like, you know, somehow you're not allowed to take a day off, quit. And she goes, what do you mean? She goes, what do you mean? I'm like, Michaela, at the end of the day, I got fired in an email after having a stroke. Do you think that all that time and hours I gave them mattered at the end? Or do you think they just moved on? Yeah, that's that's something, ironically, that was something I was talking about with my employee today, too. It's like, no job is worth it. Like, they will replace you before your body is cold if you die. Do not kill yourself for a job. And my, my teen high schooler came in today and they were talking about how they have three tests tomorrow. And I was like, look, dude, do you need to go home and study? And they were like, well, I mean, kind of, but my, my parents said like, I have a job and it's, it's my responsibility. And I was like, no, 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 no. Your job as a teen right now is to worry about school and to have a life and to do that. This, 
this is my, this is my problem. I was like, if you need to go home and study, like that is a priority that is way more important than dusting shelves at my store. Like the store will still be here. I will survive go. So they ended up working like half a shift. He's like, well, I'm here already. I'll work for a little while. I was like, okay. I was like, never feel like you can't tell me that you can't work. And I, I have a employee who she's a newer mom, her, her daughter, I think it's just over a year. And so with childcare issues and COVID and everything else, like she's had to, she's had to not come to work a couple of times. And she always is like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is my responsibility. This is my baby. Your family is priority number one for you. Do not ever feel bad. I was like, if you're just telling me this, just to fuck with me to be like, I don't want to work. You wouldn't be working for me anyways. Cause I wouldn't hire somebody who was that kind of a person. I was like, you are taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your family. We'll make it work. It's not this, like nobody is ever going to work as hard for my business as I'm going to. And I, and any boss who expects an employee to work as hard for the, for their business when it's not their business is not somebody you should work for. Oh yeah. There's, um, there's a great TikToker who is a communist, um, business owner. She's like, she's going out in California. Yeah. She's amazing. She's so great. You guys need to reach out to her and have her on. She's awesome. And she talks about how, like, I watched this video where she was like, you know, I don't understand people who say like, my employees don't work as hard as me because then like, that's a hiring problem. (laughs) She was like, so she basically will ask them and be like, oh, wow. Well, like my employees do like, how are you finding these people? Like, how are you, how are you screening them to like, to heart, to like work? Cause she shares her profits with everybody. Everybody makes the same salary. Um, and I think that's so fantastic and interesting, but I think that that's absolutely true. Like, like I've had, you know, virtual assistants be like, my kid is sick and I, like, I'll be, I'm going to, it's going to take me a bit because I have to put him down, like get him to sleep after he's done vomiting. And I'm like, uh-uh, no, you're taking the day off. Like, absolutely not. There's nothing mm-hmm. that that's, that's so important for me that like mm-hmm. you need to put your life on hold. And but I think that that's like, yeah, that's been the huge paradigm shift I'm seeing with a lot of managers now, like a lot of, yeah. you know, younger managers, younger business owners, we're like bringing a lot of that into. Well, yeah. I mean, know, Gen X and millennials, like we all, we all did that. We all got fucked by that too, because we all put in our time. We all put our nose to the ground. And as soon as something happens, we're the first to go. And they were yeah. like, mm, bye. And I'm like, why did I just sacrifice my whole life for you? And you just were like, firing me via email. Like what the hell was that? So now that we all are in the positions to be managers or owning our own business and hiring people, we're like, yeah, no, I want to do things differently than how they've always Mm -hmm. been done. Well, and we have actually a few examples. I mean, when I worked at the cemetery, Mm -hmm. um, I busted my butt, worked every hour possible. And unfortunately being at the cemetery, if somebody died in the middle of the night, you know, they have to wake up in the middle of the night and handle those things and worked a lot of hours. Well, the company that owned that business ended up going through bankruptcy and their new company was taking over. When the new company came over, they took us out to dinner and they promised us the world. And if you stick around, you're going to have this, this, and this. I went months without getting paid. And I don't know why the heck I continue to do that, except for just blindly believing somebody. And then the new company comes over and mm-hmm. guess what? You're commission only. And I'm like, great. That was awesome. Glad we stuck around for that one. Yeah, that led to bankruptcy. Yeah, that led to our own bankruptcy. So, I mean, but I mean, even right now with David and I hiring, um, because we need to hire more staff. We've got a few staff members that are going to be going on with their own lives pretty soon. And even if they weren't, we're busy enough that we need a few more staff members. 
But when I've been interviewing and talking to them, you know, I, I tell them like, my job is only as good as a staff behind me. And I can't do this all on my own. And nobody, like what Jesse said, nobody's going to work as hard as I do. Mm-hmm. I clocked it one time and I work way too many hours that I don't like clocking my time because it's just depressing. But if I don't have good staff behind me, my business is nothing. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's my business. So if you need time off, take your time off. Well, and because I want to hear Mike here. So Nicole said something earlier that was, if you drop dead, they'll have that job replaced before your obituary hits the paper. So Mike and I did an intervention a week ago. Mike, what did you say to him? (laughs) Almost the same exact thing. I said, you could die and they would not give a rat's ass. He's like, no, my coworkers are really terrible. Like, it's not about your coworkers. It's about the company itself. The company itself does not care about you. Well, and I mean, I went through that when I was sick. So my direct upline cared. Uh, people that I used to work for cared. But I mean, if I went to the CEO of my company, she doesn't know I exist. I mean, you know, we have now with the merger... 68,000 employees. I'm just a number. And that's fine. But, you know, I I keep doing it because I make good money. I work from home. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm able to, you know, help support what my wife is doing, which, you know, for the first couple of years we were open was a necessity. Now it may not be a necessity in the next 2 years, but, you know, up until this point I'm the one making all the money. She's the one making all the sacrifices. I have a feeling in the next two years, I'll be the one making all the sacrifices and she'll be making all the money. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm happy to be a trophy husband. <laughs> with that. Mine is also looking forward to that day. He's like, girl, get it. I'm fine to be the stay at home husband. I'm because <laughs> he, he's also paying the bills right now for us. And that was something when we, we're looking at me opening the store that we had to really sit down and be like, okay, is this something that we can do? And I was working a great job. I was working in banking. And what we did was for like the nine months before we opened, I, I took my paycheck that I got at my job and I put it right into the business. I was like, okay, let's see if we can do this for nine months first before I cut the ties and I leave, leave banking. And so that's how like I bootstrapped the business was by using my paycheck from my bank job to be like, all right, straight into the business straight into the business. And now, now I'm at the point where like, I could be paying myself, but I hire staff instead. So that way I can, in theory, have some time off. Haven't actually taken, I, mean, I took a week off earlier this month, but yeah, maybe someday I'll pay myself. I, um, a friend of mine, well, not even a friend, my, my cousin on Facebook posted, he said, you know, I pride myself on being a hardworking man and going to work every day and supporting my wife and you know, so she doesn't have to work longer in her job. And I was like, I don't see how that makes you a man. Like, <laughs> I, I, dude, I'm ready to be the trophy. Like, David, yeah. I, I, I commented, I said, dude, I'm looking for a sugar mama all day. I was like, <laughs> no matter what I do in life, I'm going to be supportive. Right. So like, yeah, yeah. my, you know, when I retired, granted, all I did was sit at home and drink. So we have proof that I actually won't because yeah. I've worked hard enough to where it's like, I told my wife, I will hire a maid. And she just will not get a maid. Right. And I'm like, why? We have the funds, right? I don't want to clean. Yep. She says she has no problem cleaning, but she bitches about cleaning all the time. And I'm like, we literally can get somebody to clean. It's a job both of us don't actually want to do. And so, I'm okay with admitting that, but she's so 
old school where, well, nope, you got to clean your own house. Otherwise, so we had on a former player of mine yeah. who charges $20 to clean a house. And you and I were both like, yep, sign it up. Let's go. Deal. <laughs> right? Like, my pocketbook was wide open. I will like, oh, yeah. support another small business and hire that stuff out. That is not my jam. So I four- will pay I will pay a fair wage and pay somebody to clean my house for me every day of the fair week. Wage. I was going with $20. She said $20. <laughs> she goes, my, my aunt pays me $20 to clean her house. I'm like, deal. Let's go. <laughs> that is definitely not a fair wage for my house because my house is way too messy for that. Mine either. I've learned, I've learned over time, like there's things I don't want to do and I shouldn't have to do them. I mean, right. Like I think as society, people just think, you know, Hey, Oh, you have to do that. And it's like, no, no. Mm-hmm. there's people that build businesses for so many things. Like, again, can we all change our own brakes? In theory, yes, we could all learn how to do it. We could all do. It. Can I change a motor? I'm the first to admit, like I'll change my own brakes because I'm not going to go pay 700 bucks. But like to Same. do a, to do a motor swap, I just either go get rid of the car or buy a new one. Like I don't have the want to learn it. But my brother, no, let me just go ahead and take care of that real quick and save you a bunch of money. And I'm like, great, here you go. Like he'll do it, you know. But give the kid, you know how to buy a house no he rents for me of <laughs> like, course he does. Like, you know it's like he doesn't have that want to go do that type of a thing you know he, he'd rather hey nope when my garbage disposal goes out i want to call you and be a dick and he's probably the only person that will call me at like we'll go out to beers right mm-hmm. and he'll be like hey i don't know if now is a good time but i need 100 bucks for garbage disposal i'm like cool man i'm 40 dollars deep in drinks real quick and now you're gonna drop this on me great budgeting (laughs) well you know and 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 looking at the women we have on this episode so they basically looked at what they were doing and said you know what i just don't want to work for somebody yeah i just want to do my own thing i know that was a big deal with with my wife she got sick of saying hey i need to go to the doctor at two o'clock on tuesday and having a job go, yeah, fuck you, do that on your own time. Yeah. But again, your own that is your own time. Not only that, remember the time I had I had ever surgery one time right before Christmas. That's when they scheduled it. That's when they needed to have it done. It's not ideal, but I mean, it kind of worked. They didn't even believe me that that's what I really needed to have done. And they wanted doctor's proof. I'm like, well, first of all, you're not supposed to ask for that. Second of all, if I have time off, give me my damn time off. But yes, I really did did need a surgery. And no, you shouldn't give me time or problems for that. Well, that's one of the things I've always been adamant about. So I I always hoard my time (laughs) off. I I have around 400 hours. I max out at 456. If I take time, don't bother me. It's not going to go your way. (laughs) <laughs> I remember taking a day off because we had a scrimmage in Sparta and somebody called me about an issue. And I literally called my boss and screamed at her going, I'm not working today. I'm on a fucking field. I'm coaching a game. Leave me the hell alone. And I never heard another word about it. I mean, me, you know, I don't know. I, so used to just constantly being on the phone so a phone call you know you're you're more bothered by i mean you know when i went out of the country or when i go out you know i I try to set somebody else up but i still get hit with saying because it's it's the nature of the beast it's my money paying it to go out right but i remember when i was younger courtney and i were dating and uh you know i'd have 
I'd have a job for a week, a month, whatever it was. It was like, Hey, I need a week off so I can go be a youth, you know, a youth leader real quick at a campground. Yeah, no, you, you just started, you don't get time off. No, I wasn't asking. I was telling you yeah. like, you can eat. Oh, well you can quit right now. If that's what it takes. Like I'm letting you know, I will not be here for that time. Like I gave you plenty enough advance notice. I did this. Like I didn't ask you, right. I told you. And what was, my time. what was your demand with the job you currently have? Uh, that I get to wear sandals every day and that I get unlimited time off. Now, do you take advantage of unlimited time off? No. <laughs> but I mean, do they get to say no? No. Because if they said no, no, Nick, you can't have tomorrow off. What would you say? Bye. Yep. Right, like, That's like that. I was literally going to bring that up. Is that like you're seeing that a lot more in a lot of companies, like more forward thinking ones, because they realize like, you don't need to cap people's time off. Most people are going to like, what, maybe go on like one vacation a year. Like people, like, first of all, Americans already overwork themselves generally. Like we just all do it. We're just like living in that, like in this, you know, capitalistic hologram. It's like, and you know, I'm one of those people where like, I do dream of labor. I love working. So it's hard for me. Like if I'm taking time off, like, first of all, I already I'm struggling, like being away from my job because I love doing it. But like most people, like if you have an unlimited leave policy, people are going to be chill about it. Like they're going to be respectful. It means that when they're on the clock, they're going to work more efficiently and more productively. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree. I, you know, we, we had to sit down, we had a meeting, we had a meeting and, uh, you know, now technically I'm a salaried position. And yep. They were sitting there and they're like, Hey, because you know, we have, we have young kids and you know, she, she, the one girl happens to just, Hey, I, I'm taking Monday off just randomly. And I'm going to get my nails done and my hair done on Thursday, mm-hmm. which is fine. She can go do whatever she wants, but like, she'll just like leave in the middle of the day. And it's like, you, you, so they're like, Hey, all right, we technically work for this company and they have you know, one week off policy and you have to give two weeks notice for your stuff and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, unless you've negotiated something beforehand. So I just like laughed. And I, was, <laughs> like, I know the story. They're like, what? And I was like, uh, they're like, what did you negotiate? And I was like, mm, doesn't matter. Right. Like I'll, I'll talk to the, the owner and we'll talk. And he's like, they're like, well, I was like, I forget it. Like, once I say something, I was like, so I told him, I said, look, I negotiated that wear sandals and then I get unlimited time. They're like, well, that means you can go away for six months. I was like, in theory, that does mean I can go away for six months. But are you going to? Right. I was like, <laughs> I said, look, you know, I pre-planned because I used to have six weeks off or whatever. Yes. I'm, when I go to Europe, I'm not going for a week. I'm not going for two weeks. Right. I will probably be gone for an entire month. Like, I'm not lying about that. <laughs> like, and I also will be taking my trip to nationals, wherever the heck it is, probably Las Vegas. I was like, I will have that week off. That's probably all I'll take. Right. I was like, if my kid's sick. I'll probably go get her and come back because that's what I do now. Right? I was like, you guys see it. Hey, Oh, yep. Let me rearrange my schedule real quick. I got to go pick up my kid, drop her off here. And then I'll be right back. And so I'm gone for 23 minutes, but I also am the first person to wake up at six in the morning, start sending my emails out doing whatever. And then, and you know, we've been on calls yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm working at eight o'clock at night. And I was like, look, my time over period, like you're getting, 15 hours a day out of me in theory i'm on call 24 7 so in the back of my mind i probably can't get the perfect night's sleep because i know that that phone will ring 
And yeah, that's worse me having unlimited time off <laughs> because there's going to be a day I'm going to be stressed. Yeah, no, I'm just not doing it. Like I should call in tomorrow, but I'm drinking right now, de-stressing. I've had one of the top 10 worst days I've had in a year. So I, I'm in the hospital for a week yeah. and I'm doing my best to die. Yeah. And I don't die. <laughs> I get home on Saturday. On Monday, I log into work and I'm working and we have a meeting and I log into the meeting and one of the guys goes, weren't you just in the hospital? Yeah, I was in the hospital. Why the hell are you on? And my boss pipes in and goes, I told him to take the day off, but he wouldn't do it. I work from home. I'm going to be sitting here anyways. I might as well log in and do some work. I don't want to use an extra day of PTO. Yeah, that was one of the (laughs) things that was said to me was, well, you know, you don't come into the office. And I said, you think me talking to the cops, whether I'm in the office or in my own house, really gives a freaking yeah. shit. Like, it doesn't matter where I make my stupid phone call. I was like, so if, so if I want to yell, scream, and holler while I'm in my own house, it's a heck of a lot better than being here, right? Like, It probably is because they don't want to hear what you have to yell, scream, and howl. Oh, my gosh. Well, just because all of us are saying that we didn't want to work for companies that was going to limit the amount of time that we could have off doesn't mean that we're not going to work. All three of us that have businesses, and you guys as well, or are willing to work. We just want to be treated for the work that we're doing and also be able to still have a life in the end too you want to be treated like an yeah i mean even right now when we have staff members that say they need a day off i'm like that's fine just give me enough notice so i can make that happen and you know do what you need to do well we left early on saturday yeah which is the first time you've left early in at least a month (laughs) sometimes you just have to at least (laughs) we did reviews and and dawn's like hey we're gonna see how they do i'm leaving and we went we went out to dinner with mike and they had a whole fight about who was paying the bill. And I just sat there happy. Bill. It was not a fight. It was fine. But, uh, you know, at, at times you just have to decompress and say, all right, I'm handing this off to somebody else just for a little while. And I'll see what happens. Sure. Now, um, so, Jesse, your business isn't, isn't a storefront, right? Like, you don't right. you just have like an office for people to come to um what is i guess what does yours entail customer wise versus these two who's kind of more storefront aspect um you know do you have you ever thought about which one's going to be harder and why you chose not to sell a physical product let's say well i mean i i chose this line of work because it was what i naturally was good at you know and i think a lot of people tend to undersell like their own skills and their gifts. You know, I, I say this all the time with people. Um, I'm like, just because you, it's easy for you and you enjoy it doesn't mean it's easy for everybody else. Okay. And I see this a lot with writers are a great example. Like people have good writing skills because what happens you go to school, like I did for journalism, you become friends with a bunch of writers. Y'all work for papers. So it's like your whole network, everybody around you, everybody's good at writing. You're surrounded by great writing. And so you say, well, everybody's good at writing because that's just the network you live in. That doesn't mean that the whole world is good at writing. Trust me. There's a, there, not everybody has that skill. So you have to like almost take yourself out of that bubble and be like, no, this is actually a skill I can use. And this is something I'm always saying to people is that everybody has something they can do that could be a course or a coaching 
or services thing online at the at the most basic. And a lot of times those are people who give advice. So to me, it wasn't a question of, oh, should I like have a physical business, a physical space, or should I, you know, do this like online entrepreneur thing? Like to me, it was just so natural. Like I, first of all, I've always had like a really wide network of contacts and friends. Like, you know, my fiance makes fun of me for making friends with people on airplanes all the time. Like, and I don't even mean to, I'm not like, I try not to be an annoying person. I think I just have one of those spaces where people want to talk to me and then I happily talk to them. And I'm always like, like, I'm just giving advice. Like people ask me for advice. So I give them advice. And it's just always been that way. I had so many friends who would joke about me being their life coach all the time. And so I was finally like, well, why the fuck not? Like, I'm already doing this for free. Like, would people not pay? Like, I mean, at that point, I'd also done a lot of mentorship programs. And like the, like, they were always like college students or interns at my job or whatever. And they were always like, oh my God, no one's ever said it that way. Or, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Or like, wow, I used that information and I landed my first job out of college. Like, I always got such great results for people. So it wasn't really a question, but how it works is essentially everything I do is online. So rather than meeting somebody in an office, I'm meeting them usually over Google meet. And, you know, I have a policy. Everybody gets like a free 20 minute call, especially if they're like in my audience, they just like want a quick pivot. I ask a few questions. I'll give them like some free coaching. Cause to me, it's about making information accessible. So a lot of what I do is like social media based as well. I put a lot of free content out there. I teach a lot of things because I know that nothing's as good as working with me. Like I can tell you all the concepts there are. I can give you all the strategies I have. And it's never going to be as good as when you have a coach who's working with you to help you achieve your goals. So there's a saying on like the difference between coaches and therapists and therapists bridge your past to your present coaches bring your present to your future. And that's just like, I'm, that's my natural gift is I'm very analytical and strategic. So I see the moves that people need to make. I also like got a great bullshitometer so I can see the way that people are lying to themselves and telling themselves stories that like aren't real and holding themselves back. And, you know, I do it with a lighthearted nature and don't take anything too seriously. And, you know, that's just how I am. I'm very direct. And so mostly everything I do is based in social media. Instead of doing calls in person, I do them over, not over Zoom, I do them over Google Meet. But yeah, that's how I do it. Like everything's just online. If I have like courses, like the way I do group coaching, so I've got like a course, I put all my training in there. So that way people can go learn independently because I know not everybody learns the same way. And then they come to me and ask questions because I want them to like get the benefit of that one-to-one feeling, even if they are with a group of people. So that's what I do. It's basically a lot of social media marketing, but in my own way where I'm just sharing information and genuinely trying to help people. I try not to worry about my bottom line because when you start worrying about the money aspect is when you start questioning a lot of the stuff that you're doing. Oh, I fully agree. I'm right in the middle of it right now because Mm -hmm. I mean, just the crap I'm constantly dealing with and you know, I'm, I'm so comfortable with the, the money that I'm supposed to be making and stuff like that. And it's like, man, is this worth it? Um, but you made a couple of good points. So we had Jack on last week and we, did. We, we talked about, you know, 
thinking you, your stuff's not that great because of the people you hang around with, right? He He's an artist and it's horrible to listen to him talk because you and I see the potential and it's like, this yeah. guy this guy has, you know... He's a great art. I mean, he came up with Bucks and Brewers. Right, like, he's got 300,000 followers, you know, a lot, a lot. He has so many. And, you know, compared to us with like 10, right? So we don't know this and, you know, people recognize his stuff. And yeah. so, um, you know, we see the potential in him, but he just... He's like, nah, I'm just going to, you know, I'm comfortable, but I might dabble. And so like when we were off air, like we started getting him kind of going. Yeah. Going a little bit. Um, And then, you know, you said doing stuff that other people don't want to do and wouldn't do. Like I'm in real estate. We talked about how I'm constantly answering the phone. Like when you talked about real estate, you could say, hey, man, you could be a millionaire in, in, you know, months and years, whatever it takes. Oh, you know, I couldn't be a landlord. I don't want to get that 2 a.m. phone call. And my response is always, Yes, you do. You really want that 2 a.m. phone call, right? Because that means something's really messed up. Yep. Right? Like, if not, that's a training thing where, hey, don't call me at 2 a.m. for a light bulb because I'm not going to, you know, answer your phone when something real happens. I'm not going to do this. Like, you want that phone call. To me, like, that's a fire. That's a flood, right? Like, two things, and I'm going to teach you how to take care of it. (laughs) We talked about it in an episode. I had to walk a lady how to get out of her own house that was filled with black smoke. And I'm like... You need to leave the building, <laughs> but um, yeah. But to that point, though, if they're saying that that's something they don't want to do, then to Jesse's point, then find the things that you do want to do right. and find ways to be really good at them. Well, and that's exactly it. Like, I mean, there's you know the people that don't want to answer the phone calls. It's like, okay, then you have property management, which is that yeah. thing, right? Like, teaming up with people, and and so like the real estate aspect is like, oh, I only want to go buy houses and find a buyer for it. Great, because I only want to be the buyer, right? Like, and make a crap ton of money. And then, you know, because to them, it's like they're making a crap ton of money. I'm making a crap ton of money on my own, right? Like, I'm doing only the parts of... I get what you're saying. I feel like what you're saying is, like, every job, every business comes with some downsides, right? And, yeah, everything does. And, like, that's... I also try to remind people of that, too. There's plenty of shit I don't like to do in my business. Mostly, like admin stuff, organization, (laughs) like organizing stuff, admin stuff. I am, I don't enjoy it. Like I don't, it's so funny because it's like the stuff that actually makes me money, like sending out the contracts and sending out people's logins and like doing stuff like that. It's like the thing I never want to do. And it's like, yeah, at first you have to do it. And so I get what you're saying where it's like, yeah, you do want the 2am phone call because if what you really want is to like, be in this position, you can't let those little things get in the way because then you can like, you can eventually get to a point where you outsource that out. Right. It's like, you know, I can hire a virtual assistant to just totally manage my email, you know, but like when it comes to starting out and really taking that initial leap, like it's gotta be something where it's like, if it's like more, more of it is lighting you up, then it's not then you then you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. Right. Well, Nicole, you're known for being very vocally out there for supporting of LGBTQIA individuals and by individuals. And you could have chosen to just be the quiet little bookkeeper and just go with the flow of Lolo and just, you know, be that little quiet person putting everything aside. But instead you chose to be that outspoken voice. So yeah, there are times that even your choices are not easy. But I think because you are that voice and you're giving people the ability to feel like they have a connection, that's like, you're getting that negative, but you're so positive in what you're doing. 
Yeah. And I think that that's a huge part of why I am the way that I am. If I wanted to stay quiet and I wanted to keep my head down, I would work in banking and make a fuck ton of money (laughs) that like the point of me being here is I get to be who I am and I get to be vocal about the things that are important to me and that matter to me. And I get to do that because my boss lets me do all of those things because I am my boss. So, you know, it's worth it for me to take the downsides of, of all of that negative attention that I get and all of the stress of that, because I get to be authentically what matters to me and be, be vocal about those things. And mm-hmm. that's like such a huge, that's such a huge draw for me for self-employment because I'm a chaos goblin. I'm not well-organized person. I, those are not strong suits of mine. I'm a big picture person. I'm a, like a, that, like that don't get me in the weeds. It's not, not where I, that's not where I'm real good at it. And so when you own your own business, there is so much in the weeds detail stuff you have to do and deal with, especially when you're first starting out and you, you know, don't have the resources to hire that stuff out. And like, if it wasn't for the positives of, I get to say whatever I want and do whatever I want. I don't know if it would be worth it to deal with all of this stuff, but it, it, it ends up, you know, balancing out for me. Also people totally underestimate how much your your friends and family, like your network want to help you succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, um, you know, I, I tell a lot of my clients if, you know, who are more at the beginning phases of their businesses where they'll complain, like maybe they're complaining about their admin work or they're complaining about social media or something. And I say like, why don't you go find somebody to trade with? Cause I guarantee you there's somebody out there. There's a social media manager out there who desperately needs some coaching or who desperately needs like some kind of healing, right? Like they are, they need like money management. They need something that you offer and they'd be willing to trade a few hours in exchange for some coaching. And like, even if it's at home, right? Like, you know, this is an example I use a lot of the times is like, I really hate to clean my floors. I don't know what it is. I just really hate to sweep and mop. It is and vacuum. Those are my least favorite chores. I will. Ra- I would rather walk around with crumbs stuck to my feet. Like I just don't like it. Um, but I love to cook. So if a friend were to be like, "Hey, um, could you like, would you cook me a couple dinners like for the week ahead of time, and in exchange, I'll come clean your floors?" I would take that so fast. I would take that trade so fast. I'd be like, hell yeah, come on over, clean my house. And then you'll go back with a bunch of Tupperware. Like I would do that. No problem. Because to me, that's like fun. I love to cook. Yeah. Story time. Story time. So while we wait for, for Jesse's video to catch up here, I'm getting a tattoo on Tuesday last week. Yeah. And my tattoo artist Brantley grew up in Lowell. Yeah. And we started talking about Lowell. And I said, Yeah, I got a friend out there. She opened up a bookstore and she's very accepting of BIPOC and LGBTQ. And he goes, Yeah, they just had their first uh, Pride Parade ever out there. That was really cool. And I went, I just started laughing. He goes, That was so funny. I said, yeah, the person I'm talking about, she's the one that put on the pride parade. <laughs> and he goes, really? That's awesome. I said, yeah, they fucking hate her out there. But if she has uh, another pride parade this year, which I know she will, um, mm-hmm. I, I know Tuscan is going to fucking show up to that shit. And I'm going to have some rainbow crap on. I don't give a shit. I, uh, I went into the sure city. Will be. I went into the city inspection yesterday and I'm talking to the tenant or whatever. And, um, 
we, you know, we were talking about tenants and stuff like that. And I said, man, it's really nice to get to like, actually, cause I've been in such a low spot yep. in my mind of, <clears throat> I really am thinking so negative of tenants lately. And I, I didn't used to be that way. I cared about people. And like, I started this out because I wanted people to succeed. And like, that's why I keep rents low and stuff like that. But like, you know, he's like, man, you literally, cause I'm, I'm in my hoodie, right. Pair yeah. of blue jeans, random shoes. And he's like, you look like the most Republican person I know. And I was like, it's funny. I did a video on that. I was like, <laughs> and he goes, he was talking about his van, his van. And I said, yeah, you should see my, uh, my, my Dodge Ram that has chicken wire for rocker panels. And he's like, how are you not a Republican and a half? And I was like, yeah, I, I you know, I care about people. Like, yeah. in a general sense. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't, this is what it is. And it was just funny. He goes, I would have pegged you. I would have pegged you for a, a Republican all day, every day. And I was like, yeah, I mean, in a financial world, yes. <laughs> like that's what I am. Well, again, at the end of the day, you and I are both very fiscally conservative, yeah, socially liberal, socially liberal. But it was just funny because, like, right when he said it, he's like big bearded and all that, and it was like every everything that uh, you check we, all those boxes. We we did the TikTok thing, and I was like, man, you should watch my TikTok. It was <laughs> not, not all the ones, but um, all right. So I want to uh, talk to Nicole real quick. Um, what was the hardest thing about starting out in your business? So I think probably the hardest thing for me is like, I grew up poor. I didn't have a lot of money. I did all of the things that I was supposed to do. I went to college. I went into the military. I did all of the smart choices because I was like, I'm never going to put myself in a position where I'm going to be poor again. Like I, that's not how I'm going to do it. So when I was leaving my very secure, very well-paying, very everything I had worked my entire life for a job to go jump into the unknown of retail, like what, who does that? And I think that for me was probably the hardest part because I was so like terrified that this is not going to go well. And I just had to jump, I just had to go for it. And my whole first year being open my husband and I had this saying, they were like, you can survive anything for a year. If, if worse comes to worse and you utterly fail and the business goes under what would like, what's the worst that's going to happen. You just go back. You're still going to be employable. You're only going to be a year out from, from banking will not change that much. You can still go back and do what you did. And I think that was probably the, like, just getting past that mental. Like when I was planning the business, there were so many times where I was like, yeah, like maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this in a couple of years. Maybe like, I just kept finding excuses to kind of put it off because it wasn't perfect yet. And I didn't know I was going to succeed for sure. And I eventually just had to just pull the trigger and go for it. And that, that was, that was hard for me, like personally. Sure. Don, uh, starting out, like what was the, what was the hardest part? I don't know because I had also quickly joined uh, spring GR the organization that helps businesses kind of get on their foot and learn a whole bunch of stuff. So I feel like I kind of had a unofficial management team behind me already, but I think the biggest thing was just quickly going, Oh shit. Now everything falls on me, you know, and trying to figure out how to make all those things happen and not let the business down. But I was also kind of scared. I was going to somehow let the family down. Um, but we started small with our original location and, you know, so that we could be conservative in what we were doing. 
And it was just David and I to begin with. And then we brought on Jenna and then we came here and then just a bunch of more staff. But I think the biggest thing was just, you know, making sure that, well, going back to like, when I started joining Spring GR, they said, what are you scared of? I said, the things I don't know. I've never owned a business. I've done management of different things. I've done auditing of different things. I knew I could handle the books. I knew I could maybe hopefully do the marketing side. I knew I was a people person. I knew I had customer service skills, but I was scared of what I didn't know. So I think honestly, part of the issues we had here was we still needed you to make money. Mm -hmm. So it really fell on me to be at the business when you couldn't be there because you were still doing shipped. And you had a lot of people telling you until you quit doing extra things and just focus everything on the business, it's never going to succeed. So, I mean, those early days, I'm working, Mike's coming up and working for free. You know, the two of us are sitting here and you're out doing shipped. And really until you took that leap in probably November, which was like six months in. Right. Well, it goes back to like what Jesse said, uh, my business coach ended up saying, listen, you can't put, you know, half your time in one thing and half your time in the other. If you want your break room therapy to work, you have to just do it. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm scared. And they said, of what? And I said, I still need to be bringing in money for the family. I still need to be doing these things. I'm like, okay, but is shipped what you're trying to do or is break room what you're trying to do? I'm like, well, break room therapy is what I'm trying to do Then do it. And then it's like, okay, but how, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, Mike. We'll go with our, our favorite Parks Direct character and one of his quotes. Ron Don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Right. <laughs> True story. Well, and so Nicole and I know a, a person, Christina, uh, Christina, she owns a company called Zeal. Mm-hmm. And I went to, right before the pandemic, um, went to a FemPro um, girls networking event and one line that christina said has stuck with me ever since and i've used it in other conversations is that every time you say yes to something else you're saying no to something else as well so make sure that you're good with your yeses and your nos so yes i was saying yes to shift but in the end time i was technically saying no to the business and until i realized okay i'm just going to say yes to this and we're going to just jump in and we're going to make it the work the best we can and the nice thing is with shift is that if I had to, we could have, you know, just gone back that way if necessary. But once we just said, okay, I'm, I'm all in. And we took on all of the responsibility of break room therapy and everything that came with it. That's really when it started to really grow. Well, and you bring up a great point there. So I'm at a coaching clinic one time and I'm listening to Bill Edwards, who's a Hall of Fame coach from Hofstra. And he goes, listen, every time you go to take away one thing, you're giving up something else and you have to be okay with that. So if you're playing for this hitter to slap, you already know you're giving up the five, six hole. And if they hit it there, you're screwed. And it was the first time I ever had clarity going, okay, it's, it's okay. If I decide to play for this and they beat me with that, I can live with it because I'm making a calculated decision knowing that, you know, I've done enough, research to say hey i want to stop this and if they do that it's all right and and that really was what you did with your job well it's you know it's i don't know one of the big things that holds me down from going full-time in mine because you know i'm a lot like the the three of you the only difference is i have the young kid right but like Mm -hmm. i am at the point of I don't, but I don't know, I don't know part-time, you know, 
part-time to me is, is 10 hours, right? Like, let's say, because I'm so used to working, you know, 12 hour days at, at Gentex turning around and working seven hours at night, you know, I mean, back then my wife and I, we would put in 110 hours a week a piece. Right. And it was just so grinding is, is always been my thing. So now I don't know, to not have that comfort and give it up. It's very hard for me. Right. Like what if, what if, what if, no, you know what? I'm very comfortable. No matter what I know. Again, we talk about, it. I know no matter what happens, my kid has a roof over her head. Now it's how much more do I want for her? Right. <laughs> because, you know, she's still got a long life to live in you know, I would feel horrible if I failed and it cost her something, right? Granted, I'd have to live with it. She'd have to live with it, but it's not fair, right? She didn't choose for me to make that bad decision. Right. But no one decision is irreversible. Like if you jump into your business and it doesn't work out, you're still hireable. You're not stuck there. And that was because I had that exact same thought. I mean, I don't have kids, so I'm incredibly privileged in that if anybody was going to starve, it was just going to be me and my husband. Like, that's fine. I I accepted that. So I obviously had like a whole level layer to it. But like, if you go into a business and you're like six months in and you're like, this isn't working. Yeah. No, I say then I have to go back to a real job that would be like. It's so hard. Mandatory hours and stuff. Like it's not for a real job. Not anymore. Like that's the only reason. Like I literally walked in and said exactly what I want. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was very open and honest. Hey, you know what? If I go out and drink on Friday night until 3 a.m., I'm probably not showing up the next day until like 10 a.m. I don't give a shit. Right. Like just, you know, if hey, if I go out and celebrate my buddy's birthday on Tuesday and, you know, we close the bar down, I probably won't be until like 9.30. I don't care, right? Like, as long as you make an attempt, right? Like, make sure I schedule everything about it. So Yeah, but I think like, so Jesse said, you have to figure out what it is that's going to make you happy. I spent the majority of the time that I've been with David, so 22 years now, trying my absolutely positively best to avoid weekend jobs. Um, enjoy those Monday through Friday, nine to five, you know, that way, or getting off work as soon as I could to help Caitlin with her softball teams or, you know, whatever. It was. Great job, by the way. Yeah, that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> so, I mean, I spent half of my, you know, adulthood life trying to avoid weekend jobs and trying to do this and trying to do that. And I really wasn't fully to where I am now with happiness. And yet I have a weekend only business. We're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I don't know. And I also... Um, I have, a, I have lupus, I have fibromyalgia, I have IC, I, um, I'm in remission for cancer and I shouldn't be having a physical job. And I had a lot of desk jobs, but honestly, the more physical I am now, probably the better off I feel. So I think it's finding what it is that makes you, you to figure out what it is that you want to do. Well, not only that, but we're old people now and we would like to not be in the cold all the time. Yeah, one day. <laughs> and your job is busiest in the winter. In the winter. <laughs> So, I mean, I think that sometimes you just go, okay, that's not what I want, but what do you want? And can you still make those sacrifices later on? Because yeah, I don't like the fact that I work on the weekends, but at the same time, I love the business that I've grown. So, well, you know, that, that's, that's my problem is I know what I want. Mm -hmm. My wife just doesn't share that same want. (laughs) You can't have tacos tacos every night. No, I can. (laughs) Like there's, there's not a single thing that says I can't, there's no written rule. Right. I got married and she said she liked tacos back. Like this stuff, I'm allowed to have tacos every single night. I, she asked me all the time, what do you want? Tacos. Like my answer is just always tacos, right? There's never a well, time. What kind of tacos are you eating every night? That's my real question. Like, are we talking about the same kind of taco? Cause that's going to get old. 
I mean, I will change them up, but like if it's the same taco, I'm not going to be upset. They just want something thrown in their tortilla. It I'm doesn't gonna send matter. You, to I'm going to send you a link to a good taco cookbook, and it's got a bajillion different kind of taco recipes. Look, you okay? like to cook, okay? Like, yeah. you like, don't throw that on me. Nick just wants to show up and there's a taco in front. No, I'm saying to get some ideas, like, because no, they we, got like some crazy ideas in there. And, like, you know, that's we, all I'm saying is like broaden the perspectives. And oh. then you guys can find the compromise in what kind of tacos. Oh, we, we, we already know, like, Say we literally anything yeah, that's say barbecue chicken tacos with bread and butter pickles okay. on top types. I took the entire team out to breakfast once <laughs> at Old Country Buffet. <laughs> yeah. And somebody was happier than a pig and slop yeah. because they could have a shitty old country buffet taco. That's a fact. And you had Ugh. multiple. That was my favorite morning. I I it sounds like you really, really just need a like an ongoing supply of tortillas and like it doesn't really matter what's in them that's an actual literally yes. don't worry everything nick i'm like you everything tastes better in a tortilla so uh oh what did i have done oh, i think i had my tooth pulled and it hurt and i was only supposed to have soft foods so for three days i went to taco bell for breakfast and had a breakfast taco went to taco bell for lunch had a, had a breakfast taco went to taco bell for dinner had had tacos like or a bean burrito or something like and I did it for like three days and I just felt like the happiest person I've ever been all dollar menu stuff. I spent $6 for a day. And I'm just like, I went home to my wife and I'm just smiling. And I was like, man, I had tacos three times today. This <laughs> right? seems like an easy solution. Just let her make whatever she wants. And you just keep tortillas on hand and eat Correct. it in a tortilla. Whatever she makes, put it in a tortilla. Yeah. And, and you'll be happy. <laughs> you, ever, you ever tried eating fettuccine Alfredo in a tortilla? You totally. I bet it would be amazing. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> 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 so I, I remember garlic bread. I remember the last time we talked about food on Bucks and Brews. Yeah. Nick goes, I would just be so happy with a banquet Salisbury steak. Oh man. Yeah. And I sent Courtney a message and goes, Your husband would be so happy. And she's like, I'm not home and he's not getting that. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Um now, so Jesse, what was the hardest part of starting out for you? Not letting results dictate my self-worth. Um, so much of the beginning of running a business is just the willingness to fail forward. It's not a question of if you will fail, it is when you will fail and in what way. Um, and for me, especially if you have a business where you feel like you are the product, which that's an easy thing for coaches. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Like for coaches or people who provide services, I see this with a lot of lawyers as well. Um, there's this tendency to conflate your identity with the business that you have. So something like, for example, like if I like disagreed with my partner about things, like he, he wanted to talk about like my plan or my stability or my income, I would get really defensive. I would get so defensive. And one of the small things I had to do was I had to stop referring to it as my business and start calling it my job. Because when I said my job, it didn't feel as charged. It felt like it was just something I did. It wasn't who I was. And, you know, it's really easy to like tell yourself like I'm bad at this because I'm not making money 
or I'm bad at this because not everybody understands it, or I'm bad at this because my clients aren't getting the same results. Like, or not all my clients are all getting the same results. Like it's so easy to let like the ways in which you're failing become like a reflection on your deservingness. And what I, what I say now, what I realize now is that it's all in your head. Your ability to succeed is all based on what you believe is possible for yourself. And that's not something that you can necessarily dig deep in and find. It's honestly just, first of all, part of it is experience. It's just trial and error. It is failing and then finding your way through the failure to find success again and constantly like picking yourself back up and finding those solutions and moving ahead. And the other part of it is honestly, like just being exposed to other people who are succeeding and like having a community around you. So I didn't have like other entrepreneur friends for probably the first year I was in business almost. It wasn't like a total year. It was like maybe the first like 10 months. And I constantly just like questioned myself and doubted myself. And I felt like a loser and I felt like I couldn't get things off the ground. It was my fault. I felt like I was letting everybody down. And really it's because I was measuring myself against people in traditional employment and people in traditional employment don't get it. They don't get it because what happened? Yeah. They don't have the high month. They don't have the low month, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, right. They have that traditional everyday. Exactly. And, right. So like when you come to somebody who's traditionally employed and you're like, oh my God, um, it's already like two weeks into the month and I haven't made any sales or nothing's going right. Like I'm worried. I'm not seeing results. I'm not seeing traction. Like you go to somebody who's like traditionally minded or like always had a nine to five and they'll be like, oh my God, how are you going to pay rent? Oh my God, are you worried? Ah, oh, but like, how are you, do you need help? Like, do you need me to loan you money? And you're like, oh my God, no, that's not why I came here. I was just venting. And when you've got entrepreneur friends, like you go to them and they'll be like, well, you can still get two weeks. Come on, like anything can happen in two weeks. You can like lock that down in a day. Like it happens. What have you been doing? How have you been? Like, what's been your thought process? What have you been doing? Like, let's, let me, let me go look at your social media real quick. Let me see what you're like. That's the big difference is that you don't get met with that same, with that like uh, anxiety that just like can makes you spiral. Instead, you get met with people who get it and you know, you do it for them too. Hopefully you're not ever spiraling at the same time, but even if you are, you're normally in a place where you can kind of talk each other off the ledge and, find some kind of solution and some kind of support but like honestly like the support makes all the difference and yeah it's just a process it's just a process of learning not to let any of the results good or bad make it mean that you are inherently deserving or not of the life that you want and life is not about every single thing that every single person likes. I support Nicole left, right, and backwards, but I don't read books, which probably just makes her cringe underneath her skin because she loves <laughs> books, but I support her and I'm there for her. We had a customer in at the business on Saturday or Sunday. Um, we went to try and give the frequent membership card and the person point blank said they didn't want it. They weren't going to come back and it just wasn't what they were looking for. Now, I didn't see this person on their way out. 
So when this was being told to me, the first thing I was like, how did we fail? What did we do wrong? What could we have done better? But rather than just taking that, I went and called the customer and I said, you know, I've been told that you didn't want the frequent membership card. And, you know, this wasn't what you were looking for. What were you expecting versus what you got? How could, how can I learn from this? What could we do different? What could we have done better? And they were like, um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I don't know how I can fix that. If you, you know, if I don't know what I could have done differently. And they said, I don't know what I expected versus what I got. It's just, it's not for us. I said, well, admittedly, this isn't for everybody either. My husband supports me. My husband's there for me. My husband sees a lot of customers that have enjoyed this, but this is not for him. So just because you're not succeeding in somebody else's eyes, doesn't mean that your success isn't there for somebody else. I'm never going to buy a book for myself or Nicole, but I'll always buy a book for somebody else that somebody else wants, because that's what it's my way of supporting her for somebody else of what they need. So you, well, can't, you, know, you can't you can't gauge your like what Jesse was saying you can't gauge it on whether or not somebody else is seeing your worth. Well, I know mm -hmm. for me, I I don't ever want to do this, but I've said it before. If, if you give me a rock band guitar, I'll beat the shit out of that thing because I want to be Jimi Hendrix. Who so you, you hand me that thing, I'll beat the shit out of it. But I see so many people come through the door, you know, working through issues or looking to have a good time and when they walk out of here they're either absolutely gassed or all smiles and and that's you know again i'm an empathetic person that's what i live for i want to see people happy at the end of the day and we see that a lot i mean you know nicole said something earlier that you know triggered a, a memory in my mind we're almost four years into this you know we'll start year four in june and my mother will call and it still sounds like the same thing of, is the ship failing yet? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. But it, it's not failing. I mean, we're growing every month. No, and that's, I mean, you get it. And I think every business, right? You're, you're going to constantly have people that think you won't succeed, right? Um. <clears throat> you know, again, when I first started, right. And I told somebody about my first house, they're like, well, well the market, you know, and this was 2010. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to be another recession real quick. And that never bothered me. I, I didn't do it. In the beginning, I never did it for them. I mean, I did it for the, the, somebody to pay my mortgage. Right. But I was still intending to pay my mortgage. I just wanted to get my house paid off quicker. Um, you know, and, and here I am, gosh, I'm 12 years into mine mm -hmm. and I still get constant people going, yep. It's going to, I mean, look, look at the talk right now. Like, oh, it's going to change. It's going to change. Yep. You're right. It will. But again, do you know what my failure looks like now? Like my failure looks like I have my house paid off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, like, holy shit. Do you know what I had when I started? Like I had, we closed in our first house. I would have lived in my normal house, been a normal person. I would have had, I had $30 in my bank account. Right. <laughs> like I remember signing that check going, oh, we have 30 bucks. We didn't go off to eat. <laughs> like that was, that was it. And to look at it now and just go, okay. Like if I fail, I'm still failing ahead. Right. Mm -hmm. I've learned a shit ton along the way. Right. We, we talk about all the time. My first lease was on a line piece of paper. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> like, you know, I had no business being in this business. Yeah. I had zero. Right. And now I don't know. I give free advice constantly. Well, I, I remember, I coached for years before I got a high school job. Yep. And I remember, you know, showing up to my first game and they go, all right, take us around the field. Tell us the ground rules. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Ground rules. 
the same rules everybody else has. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea my idea what they were talking about because I hadn't done that before. Yep. And failure again is is the best teacher. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's the ones that learn from their failures that make them successful, right? And I have failed. I will fail. I continue to fail. You know, I'm when I stop failing. I'll probably be what's called retired. Yeah. And that's a failure. <laughs> you know, so, um, but all right. Now, Don, uh, Don, we'll start with you. What is the what is the hardest part about your growing your business now? Right now, I feel like I've grown a beast that I don't know how to control because sometimes we are so busy that I don't know how to keep up. <laughs> um and keep up with what specifically inventory <laughs> okay so you're having inventory issues yeah but, I mean, um, you're, not, you're not having employee issues for how to keeping enough staff on well i need employees and i think we have that finally figured out with some interviews that we've had but you know we've had some interviews where people just didn't show up so that was fun yeah um for whatever reason but whatever um no i think right now it's just it's grown to point to the point that I wanted to just it continue to grow, but also be to keep up with it because literally everything is still on me. Um, I will think I have just a mile on the glass for the weekend and we're, we're just okay. And then we get to Saturday night and I'm like, oh, okay, girl. So you know how I tell you that you always have to build a package after you're done cleaning your room um, from the rest of the shift that's just out the window because there's not any glass to build stuff with. Okay. And then it's back on me again. Well, we're going so into I our, constantly feel like I'm going to fail them. We're going into our third Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And Valentine's Day, for whatever reason, is is our weekend. Yeah, I've already started stocking stuff for that weekend. <laughs> yeah, but usually we get to almost we- all the way through Saturday and we're like, yeah, we might need to scale back on some Sunday appointments because we're running low on glass. No, we haven't done that. We did that the first year. Right, but not since. Yeah, we did it last year. We scaled back on the bottles only package. Mm, yeah. Because we ran out of bottles because bars were not open Yeah, like they used to be. Well, that's the thing. So, I mean, like right now, some of the things are not even in my control because we're still in a pandemic, which is very much real. And unfortunately, some people are just over it, but that's not how that works. Um, and things just aren't you know we haven't had a traditional quote-unquote year of being open Mm. i mean we opened in june of 19 and then you know the following year was pandemic so you really don't have like a good year of numbers but um the restaurants that we're working with some of them are still pretty busy and some of them are like "Ooh, are you going to be okay so i can't control those outside factors or we work with a lot of different thrift stores and some weeks i'll get a lot of glass and then the next week you get two boxes so it's trying to control the things that I can't control. And that's not fun. Sure. Jesse, what's the, uh, the hardest part about growing your business currently? Um, it's respecting my need for rest. So I got, I had gotten COVID in December. I had a rough December. So I got a stomach flu that my fiance brought back from campus. He's a professor. So um, in grad school, he brought back a stomach flu. And it hit me worse than it hit him. So I was, it was bad. And then it like turned into IBS for a few days, which I don't even have, but it was just like, that's how much it wrecked my digestive system. Not even a week after healing, I got COVID. And it was, I mean, it, thankfully it was like a very bad cold for me. I was, I have asthma, so it could have been easily been a lot worse, but 
I couldn't work for like a straight month. And I know that the reason that really happened is because I was pushing myself. Like I'm somebody where the last time I was really sick was three years ago. So me getting sick like that so often in one month, I knew it was because I was pushing myself past my limits. And as I'm growing now, I'm really having to learn to respect my own energy levels just because I feel good and I can work doesn't mean I should. And this actually, this realization came shortly after it was like in the midst of my COVID stuff. I was, you know, try when, when my brain was still working before the brain fog set in, I, I did this uh, activity <clears throat> where I mapped out my year before I went month to month and I just listed my highs and lows and they could be anything. So I did like, you know, could have been like, oh, I made a ton of money or like, you know, I met this really cool person or I just felt really good. I was just like, you know, everything felt really fun that month or I took a vacation. doesn't matter. So highs and lows, no matter what. And I looked for patterns and I found that I could only sustain success and like feeling good about things for literally two and a half, two and a half months to the day. And it was literally that tight of a pattern. So it was two and a half months of success. And after that, it would be four months of like just dog shit, like not making great sales, not having a lot of fun, just really down in the dumps, anxiety, depression, things like that. And I realized it's because when I was feeling good enough to work, I was pushing myself way too much. And so now I know, and that's been my focus for the year, is that I'm not going to even allow myself to get close to that two and a half months. So now it's like, I've been forcing myself to sign off. Not like I don't, I'm stopped taking calls on, like, I would like not take calls quote unquote on Monday and Friday, but like I would fit in people here and there, but I really truly started honoring that not so I could catch up on things in my business. I also went ahead and I went for the entire year and every two and a half months or every two months, not even two and a half months. I just closed down my calendar for calls because I said like, I need to build that in now or I'm not going to do it. And so I'm getting to the point now where it's like my focus is sustaining success past that timeline. Because I realized like when I got sick, I literally got sick that two and a half week, two and a half months in to my success, like to my upswing. So that's honestly like when I'm at this level now, where now it's about like making the big bucks and like really like scaling in a big way and like getting the book deal and doing the speaking engagements. Like it's about taking care of myself. And, you know, that's, that's probably a leftover habit from that's conditioning from, you know, our capitalist society and from having worked in law and journalism for so long where you're always on call, but I'm having to like relearn how to listen to myself and scale back how much I do. And if I could jump on that for a second, we are open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but on the days that we're closed, the phone calls still go to my cell phone because I'm still just conditioned to, I don't want them to miss a phone call and I want to be there for them and I want to continue to grow the business. And we have opened up on the off days as well. Well, going into Christmas, we had looked at the schedule on when like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day fell. And um, it was going to be the Friday, Saturday for Christmas, even Christmas Day. 
So we would have been open Thursday and Sunday. David and I made the decision that that just didn't make any sense. We would just be closed down that whole week and give our staff that time off. Plus, you know, if we're going to sit there and say that the one thing we didn't like about corporate jobs was not getting time off, we need to also take our time off as well. So I get a phone call from, um, well, would have been customer, but he's not going to be now. And um, giving me garbage because I was not willing to open up for him during one of those days off. And he, he said, well, I thought the small businesses need money and here I am trying to support you. And you're really going to tell me that you won't open up. I said, yes, we are closed that week to give our time, um, our staff and ourselves time with our family and friends. Um, I'm sorry that we're not opening up for you, but we will be available the next week. You're really going to say no? I said, yes, I really am. And he's like, why? I said, because I need time off as well. Well, I'm trying to give you money. I'm like, dude, this is not going to go your way. Right. We are taking this time off. And if I'm going to sit there and tell you one thing I hated about working at a previous job was not getting time off, then it's okay. Allow yourself to have that time off too. We're going away next week. And I get a phone call um, earlier this afternoon. And I said to David, I'm like, next week when we're gone, the phone calls are not going to my phone. They're just going to go to voicemail and people will just survive because technically when I close on Sunday at five, the reality is any other business wouldn't be getting my phone call answered until they open on at Thursday at four, if that's their hours. So allow yourself that op opportunity to, you know, treat yourself the way that you wanted businesses to treat you as well. What's, well, you know, a fat kid story, right? So the person's not going to come here, right? Sure. They'll probably remember you, but like, do you know how many like Chinese restaurants I've gone to? And it's like, I, we went to go get pedicures. Mm -hmm. uh, besides the buffet um i went to go get pedicures and it was like family vacation from january 4th to the 12th i was like man it sucks like i yeah i wish you would have updated google but like yeah i was it's not like i'm not gonna go back there to get a pedicure right like i i, I was happy i was like man i wonder like what they're doing like my mind starts wandering and i'm like Hmm, how much does a pedicure place make do you think they're on a huge vacation like they just go like you know, but, but you know if i go to a buffet and it's like oh we're closed here and i'm like oh whatever i don't give a shit like have a good time like i i'm not gonna not support you because you took time off right you were you were upfront and honest like hey we're not here you no know, one of the things that my therapist has told me you know while i'm trying to recover from being septic is 30 minutes every day I just want you to lay there and shut your eyes and just chill out so I've been trying to do that every day yeah and it does calm my brain down enough that you know on the days I do that I feel like I have a little bit more energy the rest of the day so like today I, I laid down for about 45 minutes I had my eyes closed I didn't go to sleep or anything I just laid there and I knew I needed that because I needed to make it through a seven o'clock show instead of a six o'clock show <laughs> And, you know, I, I needed to be fresh as long as I could be. Yeah. So, Nicole, you're the last one on the, on the list. Uh, what, is, what are you finding to be the hardest parts now that you've been in the business for a little bit? Um, I think probably the hardest part is just my own expectations of, of what the business should look like and what success should look like. You know, we also haven't had a normal year yet. You know, we opened right February 2020. And so our first year was pandemic. Our second year was still pandemic and people haven't really known about us, but we were still really, really successful. And there are so many things about my business that if you were to look at it on paper, you go, that sh you should not, like, this doesn't make sense. You should not be a liberal progressive bookstore in a small conservative town 
and having $160,000 in sales in your second year. Like that doesn't make sense. And so now it's like, okay, I set these expectations for me for what next is going to look like. And they're just crazy things my brain makes up because I have nothing to base them off of because I have no normal with which to kind of base things off of. Um, you know, so for at Christmas time, Christmas obviously is huge for retail. It's like our biggest time of the year. I put so much pressure on myself and so much stress on myself of what I thought it had to look like that I didn't take the time to appreciate how amazingly well the season went for us because it didn't hit these just made up numbers in my head of what I thought we needed to look like. Um, and so I'm finding that that's kind of my, my struggle going forward is like, I don't know what normal is supposed to look like. Nobody can tell me what normal is supposed to look like. Nobody can tell me what I'm, you know, cause we're all swimming without anything right now. Um, and so just finding that, that balance and those boundaries on myself, I'm literally the only one who's pushing these expectations on me. It's literally all me. Um, so my therapist is very well paid and she spends a lot of time telling me, calm the fuck down and get over it. Um, and so I just need to learn to listen to her because I don't really know what 22 is going to look like for us. I have in my head, like goals that I want to hit, which obviously I have sales goals. I want to hit and I want us to continue to grow, but I also have goals of like, what do I personally want to achieve in the business? What do I want to achieve and do that are intangibles? And, and how do I make those happen while also respecting myself enough to not drive myself crazy? I mean, I have, I have to address something you said, because like, I don't even know if you realize you're doing it where you were saying like, there's no reason I should be making this much money when I'm like this liberal bookstore, like in this conservative town. And like, I teach people that there is an aspect to running a business um, where you have to use your intuition. Mm -hmm. Like you can have the best strategy in the world, but like, if it doesn't feel authentic to you, if it doesn't feel good for you, then it's, then it doesn't matter how good the strategy is. It's going to flop, right? Like you could easily like make tons of money in your town, putting, you know, make America great again, t-shirts all over the front, right? Like you could, but you made a lot more doing something that was authentic to you. And you know, I call that that marriage of like intuition, like with the business know-how that you have, I call it gumption. Mm -hmm. And I say, think about like old Hollywood movies where, you know, the, the main characters premise of like all those comedies is like, here's a batshit insane premise. Mm -hmm. And then the main character's like, Hey, here's a crazy solution. And everyone's like, you can't do that. That's crazy. And then they're like, watch me. They do it. And everything turns out fine. Like some like it hot. Oh my God, the mob is coming after us. I know what we need to do. We need to cross-dress as women, join an all-female band and travel to Florida to escape. Like that makes no sense, okay? That makes no sense. But it works out. Right, exactly. (laughs) But like you have to do it in your own way. It's like I've known... I've known for years, like my having a a book on has been on my manifestation list for years. Mm -hmm. And like, was I actively like, was I actively writing the book? Yes. Is it done? No. But it's like, yeah, I was writing it. And like, it's on that, like, it's been something I wanted to do. And like, do I know the basics? Like, yeah, you need like an agent, a proposal, blah, 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 blah. But I, all I was following was like, hey, maybe you need to start talking about stuff other than just like business on TikTok. Like maybe you need to just like start voicing some of these opinions 
from that job hunting business you had a few years ago. Like maybe you just need to start being vocal and being an advocate. If that's what you want is to be a thought leader, just be it. And mm -hmm. what happened was like, I landed an agent. I landed like an editor approached me. You have to just follow your intuition in the way you lead your business. So I love everything you said, Nicole. And I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a new customer from you. Well, and I'm you. working with Davenport University right now on a few of their different programs. Um, uh, Springyard suggested that I contact them and see if they could help me. And one of the things that they're helping me with is marketing. I had a Zoom meeting today with the marketing program and they were like, so what's your marketing strategy? Because we see that you've only been open since June of uh, 19, well, technically January, but you've already got over 5,000 followers and you seem to be busy. I'm like, yeah, I just make shit up as I go if I believe in what I'm posting. I said, mm -hmm. I went to one class one time and they told me that your post should not have more than 20 words because you got to grab their attention right away. I said, but the problem is, is that I feel like the posts that actually get the most attention are the ones where it's me. I'm mm -hmm. saying- Hey, you know, cancer sucks. And if you're, if you're feeling that way, let's come and break some shit and, you know, get it off your chest. So I think being authentically you and believing in what yes. you believe in and who you are at the end of the day, that's how you're going to sell what you're trying to do, not following quote unquote, a script that somebody else came up with. Yeah. If this is your business and your heart and your passion, sell what you believe in. And there's was, always like a, there's always a middle ground there too, right? right? It's like, we know every February, it's going to be Valentine's Day. We know every March, people are going to start wanting to talk about spring cleaning. We know every Easter, like every April, late March, early April, there's going to be Easter. Like we know that there are these, you know, hallmark days and like seasons throughout the year. So you can have that in your mind with your business where you're like, okay, I know that I'm going to have these things coming up. So like, let me just make a note that I'm going to split up the months like this. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that's something I do is I do monthly, monthly paid workshops. So for me, it was like this, this month was all about like goal setting for 2022. February is about like the intersection of love and money. You know, March, I'm taking off to like launch a big thing. And then April, it's like con Marie, your business, like get rid of the shit that's not serving you. And then and then May is I'm doing a, a workshop on like money in the mother wound. And then June is going to be a workshop called daddy issues all about like, you know, your father wound and how that affects your money. Like, you know, I know those things. That doesn't mean I need to have that all my content planned out, but just knowing that that's what every month is going to look like puts you so much farther ahead of the curve. And then like the month of, I can say, does this still sound fun? Does this still sound authentic? Is this still something I want to do? Okay, then yes. And then if not, I can change it. But the point is that I've got that basic framework of like, what are going to be the hot topics I'm going to be wanting to talk about then anyway. Right. Well, you're already so. Go ahead, Nicole. I, I was just saying, I think it's so interesting because I was just at an entrepreneur conference over the weekend and literally every class and everything that they were telling me is the exact opposite of everything that I've done. And I was like, if I followed this advice, I wouldn't be successful. I was like, does that mean that people can recreate what I did and also be successful? No, probably not. But like, I'm like sitting there listening to this class and I, I had wanted to go to it since 2019 before I opened pandemic hit, all these things. I didn't get to go before I opened. And I'm so actually very thankful that I didn't because I probably would have taken all of their advice and not been as successful as I had been in the last two years. And it's like, 
I think too, I think too often when people are thinking about starting a business, they go and they're like, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z. I have to do this. This is what the experts say. And this is what they're telling me to do. And they get so focused on that. They have to do all of that rather than like, what feels right for you? What feels good for you? Focus on doing those things. Yeah. I always say like, you got to learn a variety of methods, but then you got to put your own spin on it. So it's like, you know, I know how to do TikTok. I know how to, I know how to like, you know, I know how to like do all the things on social media. I know how to grow a Twitter audience but I don't do it because it's just not my place right now. I'm not interested in it. I'm like, you got to do what feels fun. And like, as things start to feel more automatic for you, then you can add more stuff into your repertoire. But yeah, you, I, you could have like Gary V advising you on your social media strategy, but like, if it's not fun, then you're not going to do it because that's the other thing too, is that most people don't start businesses because they like marketing other than like marketing firms and like me as a business coach, right? Like other than actual marketers, nobody really enjoys business strategy. They enjoy it. They just want to do the thing, right? Like they just want to run the, like run the break room. They just want to run the bookstore. They want to like have that community place. They just want to coach people or teach yoga or whatever it is. So you have to start with what feels fun. So if it's not fun, you're not going to want to do it. Well, I think one of the things that all three of you hit on was you need to be authentic. So I know with Dawn, when she looks into doing a new shirt or running a new type of campaign, it's always something that comes from the heart. So, you know, we, we celebrate Pride Month. Uh, we're going to celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month. I mean, you know, things that really mean something to her. And, you know, Nicole's a little bit snarky and has one of my absolute favorite shirts. She... Uh, she made a shirt out of a one-star review. Nicole, can you talk about that for a minute? Because I just think that's the greatest damn thing. I'm oh obsessed with bad review merch. And uh, we, I mean, we get a ton of crap on social media and Google reviews and stuff because people can be badasses from behind a computer screen that they would never say to me to my face. Um, and so I got, a, I got a Google review that said, um, if, you, if you have conservative values and you love your country, don't shop here. And so I took... I took a screenshot immediately. It was like, yep, this is going to happen. Turned it into a t-shirt and I, I put the quote of their review on it. And then underneath it put veteran owned business open since 2020. And it's uh, one of, it's one of my bestseller t-shirts and I, I adore it so much. Oh my God. Now I know what I'm getting my fiance for his birthday. <laughs> it is, it is a delight. My, I, I too enjoy bad reviews. Yes. Um, especially when they have my name specifically in it, right? So um, I got into a Facebook argument with somebody because they were looking for property manager yep. and I pointed us out, right? And they're like, oh, they're only a 2.3 star and a bunch of reviews. And I was like, why don't you go ahead and read those reviews, right? And you, I was like, it's funny thing is because the guy knows me. I was like, you know me. And he's like, why? And I was like, just go read them real quick and then we'll have this conversation. And he goes, Nick, your name's in there quite a bit. Like, it just says you're an asshole. We know that. Oh, Nick was disrespectful. Yeah, we get that. Yeah. And then it's like, wouldn't come fix my faucet within the matter of like 12 minutes after I called him. And, you know, like you could just read into how it happened. And I was like, so you're going to tell me I'm a bad manager because I don't do what you want when you want it? I was like, no. (laughs) Like, did it, you know, but you don't ever see anybody go back and fix it and go, update, this was done professionally. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, you just never get that type of a thing. We had a customer actually comment back on one of our comments going, it's really funny to me that all the bad comments on here, it was on like Google, yep. Google reviews. 
all the bad um, reviews are the ones that just seem like they didn't follow the simple rules. Yeah. My, <laughs> and then my... we also got to the point where we started going, well, we've gone back and we watched the video and it looks like your group had a good time until you broke a rule. Well, and I think my favorite is, so we had a, a group in here and the parents came like 20 minutes late and Don said, well, you can go watch, but you're not allowed to go in the room. And they went back there and all of a sudden they're in the room. And she got back there and saw it and kicked him out. And this kid, I say kid, he's probably 25 years old, is running his freaking mouth the whole way out the door. And I will admit, I'm a little bit of a hothead. And I can say anything I want about my wife. You do the same thing about yours. Fact. But nobody else can say a damn thing. Fact. So I literally followed this jackass out the fucking door. Because yeah. I was fucking pissed. And their review was... And the big guy looked like he wanted to do break room therapy on my face. No shit, motherfucker. I did. Because <laughs> I was going to. Yeah, but what did we comment back? Your group had a good time until you broke you the broke rules. rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can't take reviews personally. Sometimes you have to just realize that they're not for the oh, you. And oh, you know, and on that note, one I of the take things personally. Lately, I've been having people comment on like, "Well, I can't believe this is a thing," or. Yep. This isn't what people should be doing. So I've just been commenting it back with this little uh, image I found one time that says, the next time you see someone enjoying something that isn't hurting anyone, that's not your cup of tea, instead of saying something negative, train yourself to think to yourself, I'm glad they're happy and carry on with your life. Because guess what? It's not all for everybody. Um, so real quick, Jesse, you had, the, when you were talking, you had kind of mentioned what your what this year looks like up until June. So that brings me to my next question is, how often do you do you focus on your goals and how often do you like look at those and how often do you set them? Um, are your goals important to you? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think we said on the last episode I was on, we were both saying that when we run out of goals, we're going to die. Like that's, <laughs> that's how it's going to happen. Like I, I always have like a goal on hand and like, yeah, they're always in the forefront of my mind. I'm, I'm a Pisces sun moon. So I'm a dreamer. Like I'm always, always thinking about like what I want and how I'm going to get there. My big thing is connecting it to the now because like, and I don't know how to pronounce the name. It's some kind of French name, so I'm not going to bother, but you can Google it. It's a quote that says, um, uh, a dream without a plan is just a wish. And that's like my big thing is I don't like, I ask myself, like, you know, what's the thing that I couldn't live without in the next year, right? Like, what's the thing that I would be really disappointed if I didn't put some focus on it, or if I didn't do it at least once, or I didn't get closer to it. And it's hard, like you have to, like, I, I like to do it like every six months, I kind of check in because our goals change. Because as we change and as our businesses grow and change, like some things fall away, right? Like I've, I wanted a book deal for as long as I can remember, but you know, my, my manifestation of that, like how I described it a few years ago, it would have been like top five publisher. Like I would have wanted to be with one of the top five. I would have wanted like a six figure advance. I would have wanted something like that, like some, and I'm always questioning why I want the things that I want to see, like, is this really authentic to me? And when I really unpacked that, that was something I did on January 1st. 
I realized like, well, why is it that I want a top five publisher? Like, do is that something where I really admire them? I really want to be with a specific house or is it just something else? And I realized, no, I'm just like associating that with resources. So a big publisher means that they'll put money behind a marketing campaign or they'll invest in me. They'll show their belief in it by put it by like using publicity. And I was like, okay, well then it's not about the top five publisher then. It's about like, it's actually about um, a publisher who's going to market what I want, who's going to put money behind the marketing. And then I asked myself like, why do I want a six figure advance? What am I saying about that? And I was like, what, what is it about that that's attractive to me? And it's just about somebody's belief in what I have to say. And I was like, oh, well, then the money doesn't actually matter. What I want is someone who's really passionate about my idea and about me and my voice. And so I had, I, when I stripped it back, that was the list of like what I really wrote down for January 1st is I said, I want a publisher who's willing to like put a lot of marketing money behind me. I don't care about the advance. I don't care how big the publisher is. I want someone who believes in me and someone who's passionate about me and what I have to say. That's what matters to me. Sure. And like the, the offer I got that I'm like probably going to take, like that's exactly what I had like laid out in the offer letter was exactly everything that I wanted and, you know, that's why I like to do this every six months. It's like, I could plan for the whole year. I could plan my workshops for the whole year, but I don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. And for me, I like to leave room for spontaneity and I like to leave room for change. You know, I might do some speaking gigs in the next six months and be like, that's so draining. I am done. No, thank you. I don't want to do that anymore, but I won't know until I do it. So you know, I might have things on my like goals list of like, oh, I want to do like a national speaking tour. And I might get to a point and be like, I'm too tired to do that. No, thank you. Like, I don't know. I won't know until I'm actually doing it. But I try to look at like, what are my goals for my life? What would I like to achieve in 10 years? What would I like to achieve in five years? And then I try to pick one. Like I pick all you can do is one at a time, right? Like, so my focus and you know, my focus is going to be this book for the next six months. And then we'll see what it is after that. You know, um, I also like when it comes to money in my business, I try not to focus too much on like figures out of ego. So like I get a lot, I, I get a lot of entrepreneurs who seem to care about like, I want to make 10 fig, I want to make 10 K months, 10 K months, 10 K months. You'll see it everywhere. I want to make $10,000 a month. <laughs> and they don't think about it. Like they don't like, because like, yeah, high-end coaching packages, you can easily do that. Like it costs, it costs 10 grand to like work with me one-on-one -on -one for three months. Like, you know, I could easily do that. But the thing is that I got, you got to wonder like, well, why is it? Why do I want that? What am I associating with it? And also is that figure, first of all, does it feel achievable to me? Like, am I able to achieve this every month? And then be like, Am, am I picking that number for some self-worth thing? And if it's because of the self-worth thing that it's not like, it's not actually an authentic number. So one, I actually just did this whole workshop with a few people where I said, all right, what's your goal for the year? What's your money goal for the year based on your expenses? So like day one was like, go through all your expenses. What are all your business expenses? What do you want to invest in this year? Like, do you want to hire a coach? Do you want to like, 
you know, hire a virtual assistant, figure out what kind of money you need to come in. And I was like, and then look at your offers, have those prices like in front of you for everything. And then it's like, all right, I want to make a hundred K for the, we'll keep it easy math. I want to make a hundred K this year. Like, and I'm like, okay, great. So on average, that's going to be like $12,500 a month, like to average out. That doesn't mean that that's where you need to set it. So I'm like, all right, how much would you have to sell to hit that on average, right? And that's when a lot of people go, oh shit, my prices, I, I would have to sell so much to get to that point. Or, you know, I like I had one person who said like, oh yeah, I only have to sell to three clients. And if they all pay me in full, like I'm set. I'm like, all right. And how many hours are you working for these three clients? And she's like 45 hours. It's great. I'm like, okay, so what do you do in March? You got no hours. How are you going to sell? You can't sell to anybody now. And she was like, oh shit, you're right. And I was like, yeah, I'm right. You got to like, think about these things. And the reason I make people do those activities is because you have to learn to separate the income and the money goals from being about you and your self-worth. It just literally just needs to be a math problem. It just needs to be, these are my expenses. So this is how much money I want to make. These are the, like, these are the investments I want to do. This is how much debt I want to pay off. This is how much money I want to save. And therefore this is the money I'm going to make. And even if like, you know, I have plenty of people who are like, I want to make a hundred K this year, but I've never made over $5,000. I'm like, (laughs) okay, so that's fine. Your first goal for February is going to be $5,000 and your goal for March is going to be $6,000. And, you know, if you're able to hit them, the more you hit them, you build steam. So you might be able to like leapfrog up and then, you know, in the fall, maybe you can be making 20K months. You could do it. I'm not going to tell you no. You could absolutely do it. But the thing is that if you can't set goals that feel achievable, then like you're not, you're never going to get there. So that's why I like to check in like every six months. I basically do like a end of December, early January. And then I do a June, like late June, early July. Sure. Well, in spring GR, they teach 30, 60, 90, um, because what your goal is today in 30 days is going to be possibly a different goal in 30 days from now, Mm -hmm. but always looking at your goals and seeing where you're at and, you know, did you hit them? Did you not hit them? Do you need to adjust them? But yeah. No. And that's, you know, it's funny. 10 K seems to be a lot of people. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting around a campfire, um, on a lake with 10 investors, right? And and we, at this moment, I knew one of them really well. The other one I've only met like twice. And then the rest of them, I had no real idea. Like, and that was kind of the same for everybody. Everybody brought one person. So, you know, I mean, out of this five, you know, five couples, let's call it. But like, we didn't know each other. And it was funny. So I'd sit and what's your goal? 10K, 10K a month, 10K a month. And I'm just laughing about this. I was like, why the hell do you want 10? Like, what is so specific about this 10K? Well, most people don't hit 10K. And I was like, most people don't hit $2 billion. Like, you know, why? why? And it just seemed like, honestly, seven out of these 10 people, I I mean, one that didn't care. um, They were so financially driven on this aspect, right? And, you know, my answer was, you know, hey, all right, over over the course of this time, like, I want to add this many units, whatever it brings, right? Like, I'm not going to do like. If I find a house that brings me in a hundred thousand, you know, a month or whatever, that's great. If I bring one in that brings me, you know, $300, like I know that, Hey, this is how many I want to do. And so um, 
one of my friends, right, who his initial goal was 10K, hit it within like six months, like just flew, right? Um, and he's like, man, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I should have said like, you know, 25K. And now, mm-hmm. he, now he's really focused on like 100,000 a month, like just absolutely flying, right? But no disrespect to him in any way, shape or form, right? He doesn't see his kid, you know? I mean, he he's just, he's very focused on his business. We get together very limited when we do. I get him very, very drunk. We talk business. It's amazing for those five hours and that's it. But it's like, we have a completely different life mindset, right? He is very focused on, um, come to find out he, his, you know, generations above him, very, very well off. I mean, we're talking, you know, in the hundred thousand or hundred, hundred million dollars, right? Like, and he's like, yeah, well, we never talked about that type of stuff. And he's like, I want to do generational wealth. And I was like, I get it. Like, whether you know it's been put in your mind, it's really been, you have something to prove to somebody else, right? Like me, you know, like Nicole, like she said, she comes from no money. Like I come from nothing. So it's like, man, I've already beat my entire family's income combined. Right? Like my parents, you could throw it in. You could have my brothers and sisters. I've beat their money, right? Like I have nothing to prove to anybody but myself. Like, what is it for me? So I try to focus on personal self goals. What do I want to have? Right. Not what everybody else thinks I should have. Something you said too, like, um, which like a lot of people, like they get obsessed with the trapping of like what that number means. Right. It's like, well, not everybody gets there. So that's why I want to get there. And I like to point out to people that any number you come up with, any number you come up with is always going to be a cap. There, it, because that's always telling you what you think the ceiling is for you at this point in time. Because like, and so I tell people who really struggle with money goals, either because they're like, well, I want to get there because that's nobody gets there. Or like, I know I'll, I know I'll be successful when I'm at that point or, you know, or it's not a real business until I'm at that point, whatever it is. And I say to them, like, why are you telling, why are you telling the universe to limit how much to send you? I said, what if, what if the universe wants to send you 20 K and you've only asked for 10. And so you're not going to get the client who wants to pay you 20 K. And they're like, Oh shit, I never thought about that. So I'm like, yeah, that's why you just need to like, it cannot be attached to how you view your success and your deservingness. So and I, I know we need to wrap up soon because Nicole wants to go get dinner and I don't blame her. <laughs> Tacos. But- Don and I were talking this weekend about, you know, a, a former customer we have that decided what we do is easy and they're going to open their own business. And, you know, they blamed the pandemic on the fact that it crashed and burned. Why are you looking at me weird? I don't know what you're referring to. So I'm listening while you talk. And, you know, one of the things we kept saying was, you know, when we looked to go into business, we didn't have other competing things for our lives. Like they kept closing on Friday nights to go to their son's football games. Now there's nothing more important in my life than coaching my daughter in softball for 12 years, but I didn't try to open a business while she was playing softball because it wasn't going to happen. I, I knew my uh, goals at that point. I I knew my priorities and it was going to be at every softball game sitting there, you know, telling her what to do or having her yell at me for telling her to do something stupid. But you know, I, I was never going to say, hey, I'm going to miss all of the time with you to go open this business, or I'm going to close the business so I can go spend time with you, because that's not taking care of that business at that point. And, and honestly, 
we look at where you are and you're really always doing something for this, even if you are at home. You mean like the three emails I responded to? Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, as a business owner, you just, you, you, not only do you have to disconnect, you're going to disconnect next week. Jesse said, take time off, but you know, you, you never work nine to five because you're always kind of, you know, on call. Uh, Nick knows it running his business. You run yours. I'm sure Nicole runs through the same issues. I think it's finding your happy medium. Yes. You want to have your time off and you want to do the things that you want to do, but you also have to try and find time to grow your business as well. Uh So there's a saying in um, like the online coaching space that has been recently getting a lot of heat because a lot of like these big successful coaches who, you know, it seems like their whole marketing brand is all around. It's like, look at this Louis Vuitton purse I bought. Look at this Range Rover I drive. Like, it's very much like these kind of um, materialistic trappings of success. And that's like, see, I can travel the world. And if you invest in me, you can too. And a lot of them say it gets to be easy. It gets to be easy. It gets to be easy. And everybody's like, what the fuck does that even mean? And some people have been starting to say like, that's bullshit. Like, like, it's not easy. Like, what are you saying? But what they're, what I've realized is like what they're trying to communicate and failing to is that not like, there's no one path to success. And so you cannot force yourself to do the things that are going to be inherently draining or infuriating for you. It gets to be easy means that you get to run your business however you want. However you want, you get to use whatever methods you want. You get to work with whoever you want. You can like, like if you wanted to like interview people to hire by ask by like giving them personality quizzes from BuzzFeed, you could like, you get to do whatever you want. And like, they just don't really connect it to saying like, it's not, it's not about having a cookie cutter approach. It's about like really like learning to dial into what works best for you. It's like the Venn diagram of like what you enjoy and then what works for your business. Like it's that middle ground. Mm -hmm. And like when you pursue that overlapping space, that's when that magic happens. It's the marriage of the practical strategies and like the mindset stuff and the fun that's what creates the magical effect. That's what allows you to be a bookstore making $150,000, $160,000 a year. Like when you're like, yeah, it's like, that's what happens. Like that's, you know, that's where the magic is, is it's in that. Like you have to do it yourself. The problem is that the reason they don't say that is because they're all selling cookie cutter strategies, mm-hmm. but you know, that's a rant for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Nicole, final thoughts and plug the business as always. Um, so I had to laugh. A friend of mine and I were talking the other day and she also owns a bookstore and she's like, yeah, I gave up the nine to five to work 24 seven and I love it. And I was like, you know, that I feel I was on vacation in the Dominican working. And I, I like, I stepped away as much as I've ever stepped away from the business, but I was still like running social media and answering questions. And I was reading stuff for the store. And so that idea of like, you know, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life is true, but also not true. You're going to work your ass off and you're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your entire life, but you're going to feel so fulfilled and excited about it. And as soon as you don't, you're no longer doing the right thing that you should be doing. And so I think that, you know, 
I, I like to hear the advice of the experts and I, I'll continue to go to entrepreneur things and hear what they have to say and challenge myself and try and learn things. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is just go with your intuition, go with your gut, try things, fail, try things again, fail another way, keep going. And so it's working out all right. And if you want to come to a really cool bookstore in Lowell, come out to Betty's Pages or find us on social media or Betty's Pages everywhere, uh, especially our TikTok is fantastic. Um, and you can buy from us online on our website, bettyspages.com. Hey, uh, and that's Betty, B-E-T-T-I-E. Yes. There you go. I, um, you. I'll probably be out there very soon. I'm actually looking at a roller skating rink bowling alley. Oh, right goody. It needs, it needs a new a new owner. Just don't uh, put a pot shop in because they won't let you. Actually, they will. They'll let you put a yeah. pot shop in. They will not let you put a grow operation in, which is what the owner wants right now. So if that's your plan, you're going to want to come to the uh, planning commission that's happening soon because they are proposing not allowing any pot facilities uh, east of the river, which is that that space. No, my plan is to own a roller skating rink and a bowling alley. Yeah, Nick wants okay, to own a bowling alley. I hope you're to fine. have a couple arcade games in there, get the mini golf thing back going, and just talk trash to little kids who you are have on a mini golf course. You have a, a couple arcade games in your garage. Shut up, Courtney. <laughs> Uh, jesse go ahead plugs i love your plugs oh well i've got a free training group on facebook that's five and you can get there by going to five figure launch queens.com it's five the number five figure launch queens.com um that's like where there's like trainings free courses all of that stuff i talk about mindset i talk about actual strategies i talk about pricing like all the things that you want are there um, I do my free trainings also on TikTok, but TikTok doesn't let me save them because they're like an hour long every single time. So you can come for the live one there, but I'm on TikTok at Millennial Money Witch. So you can come watch my millennial rants there and stay in touch with all of my, like all my silliness. Um, and then I have a group for job hunters and people who want to stay in traditional employment. So I still help with all of that, finding your dream job at a dream company for dream pay. That's sixfigurecareerqueens.com. Again, number six. And I just want to clarify, everyone's a queen. Everyone's a queen. Men are queen. Non-binary people are queens. Everyone's a queen in these groups, okay? So I work with all kinds of people, all kinds of issues. And everybody who joins my groups, they get a free 20-minute call with me to just help you pivot and get, get onto the right track. So whether you work with me, or never work with me. You know, I think everybody deserves access to a high ticket coach. If I call um, you from five different numbers, do I get 20 minutes off <laughs> of each number? You have to book it on Acuity, so I'll know. I'll know it's you. Okay. I, I reserve the right to cancel repeat bookings. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm thinking about getting a coach because... You should talk to me. Let's where, set something up. Where, where I'm at right now is, I mean, I'm doing fine. I'm also like the gateway friend so even if you don't work with me I know who to work with like I I've got the plug on all the other good coaches too so I got lots of if even if it's not a fit with me I'm always referring out because I want everybody to get the help that they right from the right person too right yeah exactly it's got to be a right fit if it's not a fuck yes then it's a fuck no right so And also Nicole and I are going to be best friends now. So if I ever do a book tour, I'm going to have to, I'm going to come to Betty's pages. I want to, I want to be opening night. Like I want to be your your first. (sighs) 
first place. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I will pay in beer. Yeah, I, I think we have a uh, remote that day. We do have a remote that day. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, you said September 2023? We'll see. That's like, that's the estimation, but I'm sure yeah, things are always subject then. to change. Oh, I'll definitely be in town then. I mean, I'll have to clear my schedule. But yeah, first, first yeah. tour stop, Michigan, all the way up here. September's not quite cold yet. No. This could work out. I'll have all my right. people get with your people. You know what I'm saying? Sounds Sounds great. <laughs> um, yeah. So break room therapy. We are West Michigan's only rage room with safe space to uh, decompress from your stress uh, by breaking glass or electronics or just because it's fun to break shit too. Um, we are on all of the social medias um, and going back to just business ownership. Yeah. You're in, I have people that think that because we're open four days a week, that must mean I have three days off. No, if you're a business owner, you're going to work a lot of hours, but I love what I do. I believe in the, what we're doing. I believe in the business itself. And there might be some days that I only work three or four hours, but you are still working seven days a week. But like Nicole said, a lot of times it doesn't feel like work except for the days that we're open and we're busting our ass. But I love what we do. And I'm really proud of what we've grown it into. What's the coolest marketing thing you pay for? Best $80 I ever spent was uh, reaching out to uh, AJ Nadu, who was Samir <laughs> on Office Space. Um, actually step back. I, I contacted um, Michael Bolton, the character Michael Bolton, but his name is uh, David. What does it matter? He, yeah. D David Herman told me to basically uh, take a leaf off of the ledge because he doesn't help businesses with their promotions. But AJ Nadu, uh, who played Samir on office space was all about that. And if you go to my website, breakroomtherapy.com, you'll see AJ Nadu giving me a badass shout out. So, Mr. Naga, <laughs> Mr. Naga, Naga, Intuition. Naga there you Naga go. Yeah, that sure. was your intuition. That's like something only you could have thought of. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Best $80 in marketing you never spent. <laughs> big shout out to uh, Jesse um, and also you guys, but a bigger shout out to Jesse uh, because she sent us beer. beer. Uh, deep Brewing Company in Tallahassee. Um, they're so good. They're yeah, my they're favorites. Both, yeah. Calypso 85, Bourbon Barrel Age, Cuban Coffee Imperial Stout brewed with coffee and milk sugar um and the narcosis bourbon barrel imperial, imperial stuff that was so I just, cream I just want that to was selfishly so fantastic say that if it wasn't for the business though you wouldn't have the podcast room so that's very true we do podcast in the <laughs> don, don has stairs of break room therapy don has sponsored us and gotten us more sponsors than anybody she really has but so hey nicole thanks for uh lowering your game pretty well so the only yeah. person here we're not giving the extra credit to is we really do appreciate you being on here yeah uh, honestly we'll get some dinner we're sorry it took so long you girls have an <laughs> a open invitation anytime we're recording to come join us Love uh, thanks so thanks guys, for having me guys yeah thank, thank you, you so thank much you for coming jesse it's good to see you guys again nick you're normal guys uh, we appreciate you listening uh like subscribe share tell your friends tell your family we uh we really appreciate all of all of the love and the feedback here. We do, and and again, thanks to Jack Razor for our highest uh, downloaded episode so far. With our Hopefully. highest, sweetest shirts. If you guys want a shirt, go ahead and reach out to us. We'll find a way to get you one. Hopefully, this will beat that one. Thanks, Mike, for joining us. How was your beer? It was good. <laughs> it was good. Mike has a lot of words, so uh, we'll catch you guys next week. I said I'm the eye candy. I'm not the words.
You've dialed in to Box and Brews. You might hear something you can use. Like tips on your cash or tips on the suds. You're going to want to use the smarts of these studs. Because they know the brews. And they know the box. And they know they can't help the stubborn fucks. So listen up, because shit's not funny. And save yourself some beer money. money. Bucks. And, and brews. Bucks and brews. Bucks. And, and brews. brews. Bucks and brews.